0: This month's episode is brought to you by Ocelot Market. What What is an Ocelot exactly? It's like a Is it like a, a monkey sort of thing, or is it like a, I thought it was, a cat sort of thing? I think Ocelot is closer to monkey. We should probably look it up. Um, They're not selling these. Look, let's say what they are. They're not selling these things online. <laughs> it's actually quite the opposite. You know how to, you
1: know how to get to the dark web, don't you?
0: Ocelot Market is an online marketplace that works directly with about 100 different artisan workshops in countries all over the world to provide you with unique and fashion-forward shoes, clothing, bags, and accessories from the the people who actually make them, ensuring that the people actually making the products are receiving the benefits of your purchase.
1: It's a, it's a cat.
0: Each product is unique and made by hand from artisans and countries from Turkey to Nepal to Ethiopia to Venezuela to Haiti. They've got products for women and men, plus a lot of stuff that's great for summer, which you'll need because the hottest month of the year is upon us, Greg. So join Ocelot Market in their mission to uplift communities, promote transparency, and celebrate craftsmanship by going to ocelotmarket.com today. That's O-C E L O T, ocelotmarket.com. It's a cat. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, loyal Ellie Meekly listeners.
1: Hello to the disloyal ones as well. I don't know what you're doing here. Welcome.
0: Hello to the ones who have uh, wronged us and betrayed (laughs) us in the past. Before we get to the actual show this month, we've got a new podcast to recommend to you, and it's
1: called Profiles in Eccentricity.
0: To quote their own words, it's a show about weirdos. Each episode tells a tale about someone who lives a foul of the rules most of us live by. They'll cover people like Caligula, Mike Tyson, uh, my two favorite
1: Roman emperors. <laughs> the celebrity death match we've been all wanting to see. Boston Corbett, who was
0: the eunuch who killed John Wilkes Booth. And of course, Lobster Boy. They've even had some crossover with mm-hmm. our show covering Jack Parsons and Amy Simple McPherson. Yep. Profiles and Eccentricity is is similar to the format of our show, only if we were perverts. <laughs>
1: <laughs> only if we've been outed as perverts, which try to get me. It's hosted by John Fahey. Love him. Aaron Pita. Love him. And Matt Brousseau laughing
0: and moving right along. Um, Love him. We know them all personally and they're three of the funniest comedians that we know yeah. uh, though they are perverts. <laughs> I, I've always thought of them I, of their show and them as like they're the Rolling Stones and we're the Beatles.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <Only>. <laughs> but we're the Silver Beatles with Pete Best still well, in the band. We're, we're Paul is dead. <laughs> <laughs> they're the Rolling Stones early and we're the Wings. The wings. We're the it's TV wings. That, uh,
0: that the Who threw out the window. <laughs> uh, so check out Profiles in Eccentricity anywhere podcasts are found. You're not going to regret it. It's a really fun Show and you'll yep. learn a lot, and it's funny. So, listen to Profiles and Eccentricity
1: wherever podcasts are sold. <laughs> Welcome to the reboot of the L.A. Meekly podcast by the Slow Boys. <laughs> the podcast will have you saying, is Daniel talking into the microphone this time?
0: Okay. Oh, slow well, down. Here was, so,
1: <laughs> by slow
0: down, I meant don't be mean to me this month. <laughs> I meant slow your roll as in your mean roll. <laughs> and I'm not just talking about the spicy tuna. <laughs> yeah, let, let's, let's start out by pointing out. Um, what you couldn't do with your microphone last time was point out. Wow. Go ahead. Wow. I, this role is... Uh- <laughs> Not just spicy, but also crunchy. <laughs> well, okay, so I got a new microphone.
1: <laughs> I was on a website. The website is www.badmicrophone.com
0: <laughs> And I read how to use it on <laughs> I'm an idiot.net. So I got a new microphone for the podcast thing because yeah. like we're gonna be recording. Yeah. It. I, I even think I mentioned in the episode, like I got a new microphone did.
1: and this is and great. And I'm better than Greg in every way, in every conceivable way. <laughs> and I'm going way. to
0: flaunt my wealth by using this <laughs> microphone. And I was so excited to use that. I was bragging to you about yeah. it. I mean, this is gonna sound so great. Yeah. We recorded the whole episode. You went to the bathroom and I realized that my microphone was
1: pointed the wrong direction the entire podcast yeah. for last month. It was pointed at you. No, no, you didn't realize till much later, but you knew that something was wrong and you're like, why isn't it where I and you're like, I can't believe uh, how how did they!" and then you got home later or no, you were here. So I left. And you were like, text me as I was driving. You're like, it was the wrong way. I was was wondering the wrong way. How dare they put back on the back of the microphone?
0: (laughs) How was I supposed to know? Because I was wondering while we were recording it, like, why does it sound so echoey? Like, I feel like I'm hearing your voice when I'm talking.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so now I'm back to the old microphone because I don't trust myself. (laughs) That's very, it's very funny. I I can't trust myself to see the word back and still be confused. (laughs) It's like you're talking to a megaphone, but the big part, and you're like, (laughs) I sound small. I know. I
0: sound small. How come? I mean, I saw the bat, uh, that microphone got back
1: is what I assumed, <laughs> and I just
0: thought, wow, this is this wow. Is, culture's changing. <laughs> Even the microphones are edgy. <laughs> they um, have what sass. Was what is this? Only fans. <laughs> there were some audio issues. Yeah. I, I put so much more work into yeah. it to make it not sound like that. And everyone I've asked is like, oh, I didn't notice yeah. anything. But I'm sure a lot of people noticed there were some weird things. No,
1: it's funny. I mean, it's not funny for you. It's it's a little funny. Yeah. In tell me why this is funny. That you're like you're constantly tinkering. I will be like in the most dramatic part, and you're like, uh-huh, I'm listening, but you're like tinkering and listening to like the earphone quality like you're not listening to me at all and you completely zone out and it's so funny that you do all of that but your microphone is pointed in the wrong direction it's a classic doofus mistake
0: <laughs> This is a clinical example of doofusism. You
1: are terminally poindexter. You have terminal poindexterism. I have a fatal case of the goofies. <laughs> but okay, so
0: uh, no, that that's one thing we had to address. We normally don't come in with pre-prepared no. stories, but I already told you this and I wish I hadn't told you, but okay. uh, people should hear this because as everybody knows, during most of the pandemic, we were c- recording. Oh my, my God.
1: My- <sighs> okay, everybody just, if you're standing up, sit down. This is incredible. <laughs> you could pause it, go grab wine, go grab something funny, Need a drink if you're listening, if your headphones are pointed the wrong direction, uh, put,
0: make sure just make sure they don't say back on them and put yeah. them in properly. <laughs> We're recording in my parking structure mm-hmm. at my building, just open air
1: open air. We wanted to be safe. so we and were, you didn't want to be in the courtyard because you didn't want people walking past us as we recorded. And
0: also disturbing people yes. which th- this podcast is disturbing. Yeah, There's no disturbing other way to describe it. it. Yeah, so we, we were in the parking yes. and uh, famously my manager of the building once tried to tell us to leave and yes. said we couldn't be there mm-hmm. for whatever reason. So I'm sitting in my apartment yeah. the other day. The window's open and this woman who lives in the building is in the courtyard talking mm-hmm. and she was talking to someone else who lives here. She was talking about because like sometimes homeless people leave
1: Clothes, rolly backpacks. Uh, Candles. Candles. And she was clearly exaggerating
0: the situation. And then she says... Do it in her voice. Do it in her voice. I want to hear this idiot talk. So here's the exact quote that she said. These two homeless guys used to sit in lawn chairs pretending to do a podcast, interviewing each other with a plastic microphone every single day during COVID. I can't
1: believe the Bowery Boys would do that. Why would Joe Rogan be in my <laughs> parking structure? Let's break it down. Homeless people. Is this the woman who? She is the one who would complain or like park really close to the empty space where I would park my we truck. When we were
0: sitting, when you were sitting in the back of your truck, yeah, yes. you would park in because no one lived there, so you would park in that spot. And she started parking aggressively over, uh, over both the spots yeah. every day, so that you couldn't do that. Yeah, we never yeah, disturbed her. her.
1: If she parked and got out of the car, we shut up, <laughs> and she would walk out. And we wouldn't like we would try yeah. to okay
0: <laughs> we would. We wouldn't catcall her yeah. like we do with
1: all other <laughs> like we weren't being loud and annoying like no, she got out of the car. We, we were just trying to get we were yeah. trying to get something done
0: yeah. while other people were yeah. trying to live in the
1: building. So let's break down homeless, homeless people guys even though I had a truck, we had lawn chairs. <laughs> you live in the building. She's seen me a 100 times yeah. Yeah.
0: pretending to do a
1: podcast, pretending to do a podcast. Why would homeless people pretend to do a podcast? Why would two house people pretend to have a podcast? Why would anyone pretend <laughs> li- living in a home? or living on the streets. And a plastic
0: microphone. Now, granted, knowing me, I probably plugged in a plastic microphone a few <laughs> times. <laughs> but it was facing the right direction.
1: It wasn't like a toy mic. It wasn't no, like they purple
0: were, and <laughs> yellow.
1: Like, it's not a toy microphone. <laughs> the, 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 there wasn't sunglasses like attached yeah. to the top of it that said karaoke. Does she time. only know microphones from like UFA fights they pull from the ceiling? Is that the only microphone this person knows? <laughs> it wasn't covered in diamonds like Sia's. I don't know. And we each
0: have our own microphone. Yeah. It's not like we were passing yeah. a Tonka microphone amongst each other <laughs>
1: and every single day we were there twice a month twice a month I think the entire sentence the entire statement the word pretending it hinges <laughs> on the word pretending that's my favorite well, part well
0: the, the person she was talking to was like wow I hope they got some listeners and I was like you know what we, we do yeah. have some listeners <laughs> I burst out of my apartment
1: very slowly over eight years but yeah it's
0: been growing a little <laughs> bit so there's been a few dips and valleys mostly valleys but there have been people okay and yes i now have a home (laughs) (laughs) i started as the mailboy for that podcast and now i own it i started as the mailboy in this building (laughs) and now i live in this building it was insane it was
1: insanity what i was hearing being this famous it sucks being this famous when i go to restaurants people come up and like oh are you a homeless person that pretends i have a podcast with a plastic microphone i'm like oh please not in front of everybody (laughs) Please, not in front of mr clooney but yeah that was (laughs) my blood was boiling but the sound that came out of my mouth was laughter, but my response wasn't, la- like, oh, I didn't find it funny when yeah. you told me. I thought, like, that's ridiculous. I didn't feel mirth
0: when I heard this. <laughs> but anyway, I'm Daniel Zafra.
1: Yeah. Hi, 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 I'm Greg Gonzalez, and I only sometimes pretend to have a podcast.
0: <laughs> so what'd you, yeah, so how, what Yeah. Well, <laughs> you do? Well, before we talk about the last month, let's, let's thank we have a few new Patreon people that we should thank. Uh, hey. It's always good to give to charity. So thanks to these people for uh, supporting us on yeah. Patreon. Here's the people we have. We've got a familiar name to you and I. Cara McGee. Hi, Cara. Oh, it's so nice to hear from you, Cara. Yeah. Our old mate from Coffee Bean Open Mic.
1: It should traditionally be said that it was the soapbox that would put on the open the open mic at Coffee Bean. And yeah. she was part of that and she's wonderful. Because it was an outdoor open
0: mic yeah. and we kind of liked that it was outdoors. Yeah. And everyone's like, I would never do an outdoor open mic. And then COVID hits. and everyone's <laughs> like, <"Ooh."
1: laughs> Is there a parking lot <laughs> I can <couldn't> tell my <laughs> yucks are?
0: Oh. Are you pretending to have an open mic? <laughs> <laughs> and then we also have Sam Vickland.
1: Hi, Sam. I keep reading it as Alicia Vick. Yeah, yeah, you do. And you're like, how do I know that name? Like, you don't. (laughs) This person was an ex-Machina,
0: right? (laughs) Was that Alicia Vikander?
1: Yeah, she's also a Tomb Raider.
0: Lara Croft, the Tomb Raider? The the Tomb Raider? Uh Tomb Raider and Indiana Jones should have gotten married. Uh, so, and then we have our, our final person. We have Betsy Zellen.
1: Hi, Betsy. Thanks for being our postcard pal. Yeah, thanks,
0: Betsy. A fellow Z last name. Oh, you guys were in the back of the line. Or sometimes the front of the line. <laughs> <laughs> the sub wanted to mix it up. And oftentimes, whenever the roster of who was in the classroom was printed out, I would be left out because it went slightly onto a second page, and they figured, I don't need the second page. There's only one name on it, and it was mine. No. You didn't make the cut. So you're not in calculus (laughs) you didn't make the calculus class okay so now we can talk about oh one last thing (laughs) yes please Uh, I started a Los Angeles history slash LA Meekly subreddit so it's r slash Los Angeles history so join us on there and we'll start a whole community and talk about things so what did you do in the past month oh my god I don't (laughs) even
1: remember anymore I went to my first comedy show proper at uh, The Good Night which is one of the places that I've really loved doing comedy at it's a little bar in North Hollywood on Burbank Boulevard and it was yeah
0: it's down the street from The Clown it's down the street from the
1: clown yeah it was a great show it was called Avatar 2 Joe Kay Kevin Anderson Ethan Stanislawski hosted it and Eddie Pepitone was the headliner Brandy Posey and um, I feel um, like all
0: of th- your past three months of what you've done in the past month has been I went to my first comedy yeah, show I went to my <laughs> first open
1: mic I went to my first comedy show yeah I've been slowly like gearing towards it but they're checking Vax Records so I felt a little safe and it was very nice to be around friends even though I kind of freaked out because being around people again was not comfortable for me but it was what I was looking for was like oh I'm with all my friends and we're all laughing like crazy people and we'll yeah, into I've each other's mouths it directly into each other's mouths and trading dentures, uh, not dentures um dentures what is it um you, you wear it all the time what are they called retainers retainers we're trading retainers are you talking about retainers or bike guards because <laughs> they're uh, different those are two different things that I wear all the time it was great being at a comedy show again um and I can't wait to be more
0: well my thing of the month is uh I, I don't know if we I think we might have talked about this place in the candy episode or maybe we did research on it or I did research on it for something uh-huh. and then we never actually recorded it but I went to the monastery of the Angels. Okay.
1: Which is, Tell me uh, everything because I don't know because it sounds like what you said doesn't match with candy. So I'm going to need to know what you're talking about. It's almost like you said like, it might have been in our uh Taffy episode but I went to the Vatican.
0: I met Monastery
1: of the Chicklets.
0: <laughs> that's, that's where I went. It's a, a monastery. It's okay. a, I guess, Dominican. I don't know what they I yeah. don't. It's a religion. Please don't guess. It's one of the Jesus religion <laughs> and it's in the Hollywood Hills just like kind of above where the 101 Diner is. Okay. It's like right above the 101 Diner. Okay. So Andy Dick must be there all the time. And there's these nuns who are cloistered in there who never leave, <laughs> they mm. never, leave. They never, never leave. leave, never leave, um, never leave. No one goes in. No uh, uh, women go in. <laughs> nuns never come. Out. Um, none go in. None go out. Only nuns don't go out. <laughs> uh, yeah, they they're just like sequestered there, okay. and they do. their you don't see them. There's like a few places that are open, like the chapel you can go into, but you do not see the nuns. Okay, I read one interview. I guess like you could arrange to meet a nun. Yeah, <laughs> dying dude. <to. laughs> it's like a auctioning off like a date with this, uh, with this celebrity, have a confessional with this nun. But I, I, read one interview with one and they're like, how much do you know about the outside world? Cause she had like gone in in like 1970 oh, right, 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 or like 1960 right. something. She was like, I, I, I know uh, pop culture. I've heard of Elvis, oh. and this was like 2010 that she was interviewed. Costello Crespo, which one? But anyway, the thing about the candy, yes, they have this gift shop because they they make these chocolates, okay. Which I didn't get, but they're more famous for their pumpkin bread. Oh, okay, is what they're no, famous for. Yeah, it was really good pumpkin bread. Yeah, and I kept referring. There was this lady working in the Yumkin bread. Go go ahead. In the <laughs> Yumkin bread. <laughs> Yumkapor. Is that the same thing? Do they observe Yumkapor? <laughs> <laughs> uh, which ironically, you don't eat anything, so it's not. So yum. It's not so yummy. So yum. yum.
1: it's, so yum. it's not so
0: yummy. There was a lady working there who wasn't one of the nuns, she just like was a supporter of the church. And I kept referring to her as the nuns familiar because, because she was the one who has like a um contact with the <laughs> she sold us um they had like a because I didn't see any. I'm like, you got any of that punk? Yeah. <laughs> got any of that yummy nunkin bread? And uh she opened up her refrigerator and they had a ton it was really good. And it's a uh, it's on the package it says the official bread of Tom LeBonge. But uh yeah, it was great bread and um, um, go there, okay. Go there, go there, and get some bread. That's <laughs> good. It's so weird because it's literally up the street from the one hundred and one diner, yeah, and it's a whole other world. Like, yeah.
1: it's is it that like um, I think it's called like the I don't know if it's the north, but the higher Beechwood Canyon kind of like it's a not stone that hara, okay, okay. It's hara. It's not har har har. It's not Hari uh, uh, Krishna. It's not that. <laughs> Oh no! I ate too
0: much pumpkin to bread. <laughs> oh no, no, <laughs> no, they got me. I went past Dominican, and now I'm Hare Krishna. <laughs> it's literally just like a block oh, okay. up from the 101 Diner, but it's a weird. It's a it's a strange little place. been in visit. that area, a
1: lot lately. I think last month you did uh, Raymond Chandler's. Um, that it, I, yeah. I I uh, I like to stay above Hollywood Boulevard. <laughs> I'm a Hollywood Hills guy now. I like I to stay to between the Hollywood
0: sign and Hollywood Boulevard. That's where I. Uh, That's my jam. Hang out in the for the career you want to be. <laughs> <laughs>
1: My favorite is that you barely <laughs> rattle that off. I- I can see it in your eyes. Like, I don't know the next words that are going to come out of my mouth, Uh, but I hope it lands. My
0: microphone's backwards. People (laughs) people won't hear that. So, all right, we're going to do a listener question at the end. So let's talk about what this uh, episode is going to be about. Okay.
1: It's the hottest month of the year. It is. Hey, past that climate report, every month is the hottest month of the year for the next, uh, whatever. (laughs) For the next uh, end of time. Yeah. Which is 12 years. This is the hottest August till next (laughs) August. This is the hottest September till next September.
0: (laughs) We figured since it's so hot, we'll talk about something hot. Also fight fire with fire. Mm -hmm. We're talking hot
1: sauces. Hot sauces month. and hot sauce related items. Yeah. Hot sauce and hot sauce accessories. We really kind of veered on this one, but you know what? We're feeling hot, Whoa. hot, hot. <laughs> we covered a
0: few hot sauces and hot related things yes. um, from Los Angeles. And I guess I'm going first. Would so you please? Uh, let's do this. L is for the way you look in a bottle. <laughs> a the, there's there's at least four letters you're gonna hear here let me try this again a little bit more in the it makes more sense in the rhythm of the song right glancing it is for, for the, the way, way you, you look in a bottle <laughs> a is for the second letter denoting femininity. (laughs) V is very, very, I-C-T-O-R-I-A. La Victoria is the salsa that I adore. Not really. I kind of lost the... You wouldn't let me listen to the LP before. (laughs) Is the salsa that I adore. Okay, there
1: we go. Hang on. Let me try it again.
0: Let me say not really. I don't adore this salsa. But oh,
1: the- but you sang a song for it and you oh, also no.
0: wrote a song for it. I've sang a song about a lot of yeah. things I don't adore. You, you remember my song about the Taliban. Cute song,
1: but boy, that was some strong words you had for the Taliban.
0: Boy, did it not age well and was also prescient. <laughs> so this is one local salsa whose spicy but not really roots yeah. go back to salsa's homeland, Mexico. Our
1: southern neighbor. Can we borrow a cup of salsa. No. They're like, please go away. We don't want We're to We're traumatized enough. Please don't <laughs> knock on our door anymore. Please don't knock on our door. door. So that's where the Labaca
0: family comes okay. from. They had a family recipe for homemade salsa. The only kind of salsa there was in the 1800s. <laughs> yeah. And when the family decided to move to Los Angeles, California, around the turn of the century, they reserved a special seat in their wagon for that salsa recipe. Wow. They brought it here with them. When they got here, they decided to do something a lot of immigrants around the time and now decide to do when they get to to a new place and need a way to make money, which was selling food. Also, in like 1900 Los Angeles, like what What are you going to do? What What job are you going to do in 1900 Los Angeles, if not sell salsa? Right, right,
1: right. right. Yes, yes. Sir. You can be William Mulholland or you can sell salsa. Yeah. And there was no in between. And
0: you gotta be. That's why William Mulholland had to bring water because this salsa was so spicy. <laughs> and that's what I'm getting.
1: <laughs> this, that's the big scoop. There it the- is. Take it because we all ate some of that. And it, I'm <laughs> there just, it is. Chug it. I feel like I put my tongue on just like an uh, oven spicy food uh, for me, baby. I've
0: been just been eating radishes to get the heat out of my mouth for the last 12 years that it took to <laughs> get this water to Los Angeles. Um, so the Labaca family decided their food of choice should be their family salsa recipe. Mm-hmm. So in 1917, they started putting their salsa in jars and selling them around town. It's crazy to think how old yeah. some of these salsa companies are. Uh, the first salsa they made was their salsa Bravo, which they still make today using the same family recipe. And by yeah. all accounts, this was the first commercially jarred and sold salsa. Salsa ever in the United States was La Victoria Salsa Brava in okay. 1917 okay. in Los Angeles. That's insane. What? Oh, you're. Oh, what? Here's another Natural History Museum, <laughs> Southwest Museum. First, I have a date. I have a year, and you're going to tell me it's four years after that and be like, "Yeah,
1: it's the it's first, the first one. one." Can you believe it's the first one? 1951. It's the first one. <laughs> <laughs> one. We'll get. We'll get the name. Yeah, we'll get nobody to
0: name. had jarred salsa until <laughs> 1951. Have
1: you met Americans there in the the 40s? <laughs> they love their menus? salsa? <laughs> Oh, yeah, no, put salsa on my cottage cheese and milk or whatever gross stuff. <laughs> Please, can I have the jello salsa <laughs> and uh, a side of
0: scrapple? <laughs> it's crazy because, as one of the articles I pointed out, sliced bread wasn't sold until 1928. So, jarred salsa predates sliced bread in the United States. There were some bottled hot sauces in Massachusetts being sold as early as 1807, but La Victoria was the first Mexican style salsa right. ever sold in the United States and they became popular and grew and grew for decades until 1941 when their top salesman who was a German man named Henry Tankledge uh, of course the German guy's last name is Tank of course they changed it from Henry Panzerledge he used
1: he, to be Bazooka Joe and then he changed it that's his American cousin Bazooka Joe <laughs> uh,
0: so Henry Tankledge bought the company from the family with the intent of taking the brand national it was known and beloved regionally but Tankledge wanted to expand so he loaded his trunk with salsa <laughs> <laughs> loose salsa keep and, pouring it and, in but Henry, it's coming out of the exhaust pipe, Henry, at nine. Das Salsa. Uh, Fraulein
1: um, Autobahn. I don't understand Nails your it. language, Henry. <laughs> You're so, from Jersey. Why do you keep doing this?
0: You were born here, Henry. <laughs> Why do you insist on speaking in random German words, Henry? Yeah. Um, so he loaded his trunk with salsa and right. drove all around the West, getting people hooked on the salsa, which during this time, the early to mid 40s was when a lot more white Americans were starting to become aware of Mexican food in the West of the United States. So it started becoming a hit with them. Right. Because it's a very mild salsa. Like, I don't know how it used to be, but nowadays it's like it's like red water. <laughs> <laughs> I read that it was either 1941 or 1952, but in one of those two years, Tanklage introduced their famous red and green enchilada sauce and their taco sauce. And by 1946, they were hawking 10 different types of salsa like green chili and red jalapeno all made using tomatoes from right here in the central valley of california central
1: valley is los angeles I'm kidding.
0: Uh, I meant the Central San Fernando Valley, the great tomato fields of the Central oh, San Fernando Valley, There, oh, home of Cobra Kai. Oh my God! <laughs> I walked right you into have it. San I walked right Cobra into Chi it. <laughs> as I promised in the ad that we recorded in the middle of this, I will be talking about Cobra Kai a lot because I can't stop watching Cobra Kai. Um, so their other huge innovation, as as if being the first jarred salsa sold in the United States wasn't enough, was that in 1955 they were the first company to put a heat thermometer on their jars to show how nope. spicy each right. sauce was, which is so helpful to me.
1: <laughs> what am I getting myself into?
0: <laughs> and I bring my own thermometer next <laughs> to it to compare. They're now made by Hormel Foods and owned by Megamex Foods, LLC. But to me, they'll always be that little family salsa from Mexico that I've only ever seen white people eating. <laughs> uh, so that's Law Victoria. Great. Do you want me to sing the song again? or Do you want me to sing the song again or reference Cobra Kai? Which do you want? How do you want oh, me to end boy. this? Oh <laughs> I have to
1: pick one. Okay, how do, how do I hurt the listeners? What can <laughs> I hurt the listeners with? I know how to hurt the listeners. I'll start my first story. Ouch. Ouch. Self-directed. Ouch. <laughs> we'll be talking about another old historic Los Angeles sauce, which uh-huh. is it's debatable uh-huh. whether this is salsa or not, but they later came out with a salsa. So it kind okay. of counts. Well, let's say what you're talking about. I'm going to be talking about. Shut your mouth. I was talking about shaft. I'm going to talk about James Walker, Walker foods and their product. Al pato, which I read in a vice article as having a cult status, which instantly makes it cool. <laughs>
0: it's in vice <laughs> wow. and that's for for those who can't understand your your latin flair oh. el pato p-a-t-o el isn't pato. that the duck that's a duck the duck. Right? Yes, yeah it's the
1: duck it's the it's the what it's most which known is one for. of the big moves when you're in cobra kai
0: actually cobra kai never Sweet ducks sweep the
1: legs sweep the legs and then duck the crane the duck <laughs> there's also the otter uh, the bear <laughs> different situations but all useful what alpato pato is known most famously for are, like you are saying are the cans either yellow sometimes red sometimes green with a little duckaroo on the label it is one of the most recognizable labels and a holdover from the fruit crate label days. Oh, yeah, which, I could see that. Yeah, it's when the, we
0: were marketing ducks to the United <laughs> States.
1: <laughs> I mean, like how many orange crate labels had like a bear or uh, like yeah. a lion on it? And yeah. like, uh, uh.
0: All right, I'll eat some lion oranges. This this orange what was it made of lions. <laughs> what is this, lion
1: juice? <laughs> the story goes back surprisingly far and we start with James Walker, who was born in 1878.
0: This doesn't sound like a a, a very uh, Latin
1: name. No, James it's Walker. so it, They're, it's, they're, he they're just, American. Americans, okay. uh, but I'll, I'll, we'll get to why it's called Alpato. Oh, you
0: think Latin people can't be uh, Americans?
1: Wow. Not in 1878. Bet um, you wish your
0: microphone was backwards.
1: Because <laughs> <laughs> certainly your ideas are. <laughs> there wasn't much I found on his childhood or where he was born, but in 1990 at the age of 12, James's father dies, and it's on him to go get a job and help support the family. At the age of 26, James and his new wife are in Los Angeles, or they were here the whole time, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But they purchase a building at what everyone calls the heart of downtown, but it's actually what I call the outskirts of downtown on Mid- Mission Road, on the other side of the river, across from Union Station, off of Alvarado. So, was that like East LA? Uh, bordering East LA or maybe Boyle Heights it's like on the other directly on the other side of the river like they're behind El Pato is the river I guess it's well that's where of the ducks live well I mean if you're gonna find a duck it's probably in the river um, the building is for his new company Walker Manufacturing and he's going to specialize in Mexican foods which is cool that someone saw a market for a region that had a large Mexican population because less than six years before this when we were Mexico Walker Foods does not officially establish itself until 1914 so they are selling American salsa it's the first company to do that in 1914
0: huh you want but- but, you write but, for you? but 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 but
1: but, 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 but 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 by your
0: own admission, they did not start with salsa. It was like an enchilada sauce, right? Which is not salsa. It's a it's a, it's
1: a hot sauce. Uh, some might consider enchiladas to be spicy. Alpato is mostly known for their tomato base, a tomato sauce. Yeah, and then they had some other stuff too. And they later came out with a salsa. But at first, they were selling this kind of cooking base that you. We'll get into. Yeah, yeah. They were selling well, something that wasn't a salsa. When you gave me the assignment. You're like Alpato, and I'm like, well, pff, all right. And because Alpato was one of, if not the first, to produce salsa in the U.S. American salsa. Salsa is a uh,
0: loose term. It for is what? a
1: very loose term for what they do. I yeah. agree. Uh, and they were the first American salsa to travel over the border and be sold to Mexico, where it became popular as a cooking base. While Tapatillo and Cholula are put on the top of food like this. Right. Alpato <sighs> tomato sauce.
0: Wait. Show me how to use tapatio.
1: It's a, it's a, similar to like the way you would shake in America. Like a imagine like a salt and pepper in, in America. How you say ketchup? Ketchup. <laughs> how you say salt and pepper? So they were selling it back to Mexico. This American, the, the tomato base that they were making here in America, they were selling to Mexico, and That's then like weird. a. Yeah. What do you mean? What do you It's the 20s. <laughs> everything was backwards. Yeah, everything was backwards. We just By came 10. out of
0: World War One. We didn't know <laughs> We didn't know Mexico from America. It's just one stretch of land. It's just one lyric in a John <laughs> Lennon song. It's just one area waiting to be turned into trenches. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, well, like I was saying, well, Tapatio and Cholula are put on top of food to spice it up. Alpato tomato sauce was mixed in as a base. Right. So you can make, you know, you can make it with chilies enchiladas. and enchiladas. You Only enchilada. You can make, <laughs> mix it with chilies and onions and garlic. You can mix it with rice. Alpato was, also the first and largest users of the cascabel chilies, the, the, and the biggest users of that in the world, which are cultivated in different states. In Mexico, they look like cherries and they taste like red. <laughs> doesn't that mean, doesn't cascabel mean rattlesnake? I think so, yeah. Do they taste like
0: rattlesnakes? No, oh, but they'll bite you. Yeah, well, there's another snake um, that, I, that I've been thinking about a lot lately. Uh, it's not a rattlesnake, but it's a little scarier than a rattlesnake. It's a cobra. <laughs> um... <laughs> And here I thought you were going for an escape in LA reference. That was last month. This, <laughs> month.
1: this month is all Cobra Kai all the time. I told you when you first started watching it, don't tell me to watch it. Everyone's <laughs> telling me to watch it. I get that it's good. I'll get around to it. Do not come to me like, it's so good you gotta watch well, it. Well, this is three years in, so
0: it's stupid for me to be like, have you heard of this yeah, show, Cobra, Cobra Kai?
1: <laughs> I'm telling you that you're probably gonna have to watch the sequels to Karate Kid before you continue, but Meh. you don't care. Meh. According to yep. Gourmet Dot com <laughs> are moderately high The unimpeachable and- <laughs> Cascabels are moderately hot and have a nutty flavor with a rich, tannic, and slightly smoky nuance. On the heat scale, the Cascabel is considered a moderately hot chili of about like four on a scale to one to ten. It allows it to be used as mostly like flavoring without adding a lot of heat to the dish. So right. it's not really like a salsa yeah. if you're like hot sauce salsa. Th-
0: that's something that, because it, it falls into a weird category that's yeah. quote unquote enchilada sauce or yeah, 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 taco sauce, whatever that is. Right? Yeah, it's not hot sauce because it certainly isn't hot, yes. but it Kind of is hot sauce. It has like it's a, red.
1: I call it, it tastes like red. Uh, it's got t- a kick to it for sure. Like for me, yeah. who doesn't like spicy food, which I feel like the listeners are revolting right now. But I don't like spicy food really. It, you know, or it, episodes it, of podcasts about spicy food. I don't hate doing this. How dare yeah. you? Um, you? You insisted I give you a glass of milk before we recorded. <laughs> I wouldn't call it spicy, but it has a kick to it. It gives me heartburn. I don't know that burns. <laughs> That's just the tomato. Tom- a <laughs> tomato is hot sauce to you. Ketchup gives me heartburn too. James Walker's business really gets going in that. 20s and it's reported that he would hand deliver the sauce cans to households and to, to mom, mom and pop shops. James passes away in 1947 and that's when his son James Jr. takes over. James Jr.'s brother, the other son Robert at the time, joins the company, um, Walker Foods, and branches off into the vinegar business and starts making mustard under the name Golden State or Walker Products, which I, like I said How come they're not around? They, they We'll get to it. Yeah. Which I, you know, they package I want to know now. <laughs> they package chilies, mustards, and vinegars. According to the Alpato website, Walker Products was the first company. To make white distilled vinegar, like in the country, I guess. Oh, wow. Yeah. One of the first. Of course, it was white one of the first customers for mustard was in 1948 a new hamburger drive-thru in Baldwin Park called In-N-Out huh. was using their mustard and they would, their supplier was Walker Products Schneider's shop local Robert was Did also they still use
0: their mustard? From what I can tell, yeah God, In-N-Out is so loyal
1: to yeah, everything Yeah, they really are Yeah, it's hard to be mad at it. like I know that they're probably conserv- like crazy conservative and yeah. uh, super rich in funding a bunch of crazy stuff yeah, but they're, like they're, they're so loyal
0: They're so loyal to the Proud Boys
1: <laughs> But the thing with In-N-Out was like they give money equally to both sides but also like you give them money on Proud Boys. (laughs) We love (laughs) In-N-Out so much. I've given them so much money. Um, And you've given the Proud Boys so so much much money money. too. I'm tired of handing them cash all the time. (laughs) I'm tired (laughs) of them mugging me. (laughs) Robert was also able to purchase factory space near that location as well to keep the branches, the Walker food branches together. So the company continues growing through the decades. James Walker Jr. has a heart attack on the Alpato plant floor and dies. Oh my God. I know, it's awful. The reins in the company were passed on to Robert Walker, the, the dad, but soon the entirety of the Walker Foods company was given to Robert's son Robert Walker Jr. who had started working for the company when he was 12 years old the same age that his grandfather had started working after the loss of his father. I'm not sure but it seems like Robert Walker Sr. passed around the same time as his brother. So now it's all this grandson who's taking over everything and he's the current CEO. Robert Walker Jr. did not see himself in the position and was quite accomplished and was quite older. He was 56 when he took the company over but he took it over and around this time merged both the family companies together. So now it's one big company. Walker. Alpato, Yeah. Walker. Alpato Walker. Walker Alpato Ranger. We'll I got to watch that show. Um, <laughs> yeah. You'll watch that, but you won't watch Cobra Kai. <laughs> you want to see some real karate? <laughs> Nobody wears denim and it makes me mad. <laughs> Uh, Uh, Some people wear (laughs) denim. (laughs) So uh, Walker Foods, Alpato, they're really a family business and not just management, but the people who work for the plant are family people. They've been working for the plant for like 60 plus years. And as Robert Walker Jr. puts it, they've devoted their lives to this company. It's like, it's, you you know, you work your whole life at this factory working for this company. So like, it's like a big family organization. He was hesitant to take over, but he did not want to see the workers' jobs jeopardized. And he realized that it was his time to step up to the plate, uh, which I think is admirable. Robert now owns Walker Foods with his three cousins, Frank russell and susan around the time they added delicious jalapeno the green can enchilada sauce the red can to the product line Uh, they've added their own bottled hot sauces to the game flavors like regular a regular one jalapeno (laughs) and chipotle which is a new one and they introduced red hot tomato with jalapeno uh, as a sauce and then they got themselves the great white whale they added mcdonald's to their client list which is of course a huge get it's like a billion uh, donald using their mustard or their i was wondering if they is that the secret sauce uh, secret sauce <laughs> on my Big Mac. I was thinking like now that they have like spicy chicken, I wonder if they use any of that ingredients but they like they probably use vinegar for something. They use mustard for <laughs> sure. They don't have anything with jalapenos in the menu. They make Mc- McFlurries too, right? <laughs> they also make uh, cream from McFlurries. Yeah. <laughs> they make whatever issue breaks uh, McFlurry machines, that's what they make. They make that. <laughs> Every
0: single time I try to redeem a free <laughs> McFlurry voucher and the machine's
1: broken, that's El Pato. <laughs> <laughs> you know who to thank now. There was trouble in 2013 when they had to pull El Pato's salsa picante off the shelves after Uh-oh. the FDA found a troubling amount of lead in oh the sauce. Oh boy. According to the article and I don't know if this is true but it sounds like all hot sauces have a little bit of lead in it but some of them get flagged for having that excess of lead. I don't know if that's true but it sounded like what the article was making it sound like. Walker fought these findings and said it was not as high as a report was claiming but he also said that someone would have to eat a lot someone of it. put
0: that lead in there.
1: Some <laughs> <It's> a <all laughs> bullet floating in there. And he's like going
0: insane like the late era Roman emperors because he's had so <laughs> much lead in his system and he made his vice president a horse. You gotta trust me on this. You just have to trust me. He knows what direction. I'll go with the CEO is now an actual duck <laughs> there's no lead in our sauce quack yeah listen
1: to that duck that looks pretty honest. <laughs> he's got the idea quack see how he's pooping everywhere he's on he's on it uh, see there's no lead in that there is duck poop <laughs> taste it taste the lead see no lead he also was saying like you'd have to eat like a lot of it in a short amount of time for it to like <laughs> which leads us to you. our el pato challenge yeah. <laughs> <laughs> enter the american southwest i'll eat all of it but they, the article had this statement if a child were to consume the sauce twice a day for a year they would be exposed to Uh, 1.1 to 1.8 micrograms per deciliter of lead, according to the study. That's significantly less than the CDC's established limit of 10 micrograms per deciliter. So, like, it was high for what is usually you get, but you'd have to, like, you'd have to eat so much of it in a short amount of time for it to affect you. So, they weren't that frazzled by this report. I could I could eat it. I could make, I could l- get l- affected l- l- by this. <laughs> <laughs> if someone's going to get sick from it, it would be you. And according to this article, the hot sauce is also made in Mexico and bottled and shipped here, but I, don't, I couldn't find anything on the website or any other mention of that. So that's kind of weird that this, I don't know how accurate this like <laughs> new gourmet report. sleuth. Yeah. They had another um, blow during the recession, of course, and the 2020 COVID outbreak, That another big hit, like back to back, this company took big hits. The pandemic hit them hard like it did everybody. The company put anyone over the age of 60 on uh, paid home leave, which is nice. They brought in increased protection measures like plastic barriers between workstations and they instituted contact tracing protocols for anyone who steps onto the property. But the company is still going strong. There were no layoffs and operations were, you know, they kept going safely throughout the pandemic. Alpato and Walker Foods are now over 100 years old, starting here along the river. For as a cult status as it is, its popularity is only existent here in the Southwest. The company does not have a far reach. But the labels adorn Flickr and Pinterest and Instagram. And They're,
0: they're really nice labels. Yeah, they're, lo- they're great labels. Ma- oh, I love a good mallard.
1: Oh, that's a regular dirt duck? No, thank you. <laughs> I want a mallard. Um, you know, you'll, you'll get your uh, Instagram people and Pinterest people using the cans to like plant succulents or flowers or whatever. They use oh, the cans for okay. different things. They'll put you you know, know, erasers you in You it. know there's
0: lead in those cans. <laughs> that's not good for your succulent.
1: It's breathing now. The label's reach is greater than the sauce, which is well-loved in Los Santos. It's not really a hot sauce, so people don't make a big deal about it. But it, it's like a staple in a lot of Latino households. So it's Sunday, it gets lumped in with like Mexican yeah, that's food. what I'm talking yeah. about.
0: Like it, it's not salsa, but it's, if you're going to look for El Pato in a, in a grocery store, it's going to be in the salsa section. This, yeah, it will. Yes. So that confuses me. <laughs> that's weird that it was a, a white guy named Johnny Walker or whatever. you said, Walker. Oh, Johnny Lawrence. Uh, that started it and then it like marketed it back to
1: Yeah. The I mean Mexican like he wanted to community. make American salsa. I mean like he was living in eighteen sixty-eight Los Angeles or whatever. So like I'm sure like there's a lot of salsa around here. I bet I could make my own salsa too. But like they the, the art, there was a lot of articles that like, yeah, we don't really know much about James Walker and like the day-to-day like there are other companies that are just same with the La Victoria like yeah. the
0: I know that they were called the Labaca family yeah and that's all I know yeah. about
1: And they came from Mexico and that's all I know yeah. about them these salsa people are keeping it pretty tight <laughs> they're pretty tight lipped about everything and here I go trying to look up Labaca family Mexico <laughs> I got it. I'm a researcher for eight years now I'll it out oh no I'm gonna look up Gonzalez in Mexico and Patel in India uh, you ready for my next one your next song yeah how, how are you gonna Wait, how, what this, standard look, are you gonna sing let me this see time? if
0: this one this one isn't a song but I think I have a song later I am ending this with a big musical number
1: what's the um I don't have another song is it a
0: liar what do like um yeah you're a liar saying that hot sauce came out pants on fire um
1: <laughs> I don't know whatever uh 70s Lord of the Rings cartoon where they would like bring out yeah and now Frodo a, walks to the Mordor. the bard is going to <laughs>
0: <laughs> tell the tale of, of La Victoria hot sauce please Mr. Frodo sing us just one song about La Victoria the trees are walking through the forest. <laughs> blah, blah, <L> blah, blah. <laughs> is for the Lord
1: of the, the rings.
0: rings. All right, so here's my next one. Okay. Sometimes less is more, but when it comes to tamales... It's mas, mas, mas. I don't even know what you're going for. Tamales! Oh, so, okay, so this one is a little bit of a stretch because what I'm covering here, whenever I see anything that involves a tamale before yeah. like the year 1980, they're always referred to as hot tamales. Right. And that's enough for me to go into a research spiral because <laughs> uh, it's also a history that's important to Los Angeles. We kind of touched on it with Max Miller a yes, little we bit. Did, yeah. But now it's time for someone with worse lighting to tell you about
1: them. <laughs> you sure they weren't talking about the candy hot tamales? That wasn't, Los Angeles invention you just got confused because
0: they used to sell uh, the candy hot tamales from carts <laughs> on the- they were wrapped in <laughs> corn husks, uh, corn husks. <laughs> candy corn husks <laughs> 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 that's how hot tamales should be sold in <laughs> <laughs> little individually wrapped corn husks candy corn husks because <laughs> yeah I always hear hot tamales like in yeah. any old show or something They're like yeah. oh my god this hot tamale is so spicy so
1: eventually they learned they could cut one word out and it would still be the same because no one is eating cold tamales that's not like
0: but they always seem to talk about it in the sense of like spicy 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 oh, right, right, right. it's a uh, spicy yeah, yeah so tamales were the street food of los angeles before tacos right. were there were tamale vendors in la since the spanish days i wouldn't be surprised if the pobladores had a few tamales stashed in their pockets yeah, yeah, like yeah. when they came because they were just food that traveled traveled it, yeah it, have food will travel <laughs> am food will travel
1: uh but it was a party story
0: <laughs> And food will travel, <laughs> but we don't know it yet.
1: No, nobody even sees it coming.
0: Nobody even can be food. <laughs> but it was around the 1870s when the tamaleros yeah. started appearing, selling them on the street out of wagons or carts, and suddenly the Old West started looking a little bit like Los Angeles of, yeah. of the modern era. Because this was this was Old West times, and mm-hmm. then suddenly there's like the people selling hot dogs outside right, of right, Staples right, Center.
1: Right, everybody's a cowboy, but all of a sudden there's yeah. a food truck. Yeah. And, yeah. Smiley, uh, smiley, smiley, smiley. <laughs> they meet at the hipster bar. They play billiards. They go to the food truck outside.
0: Yeah. They became insanely popular amongst the recent immigrants and poor laborers because they were cheap and quick mm-hmm. and readily available. Yeah. Tamales I'm talking about. Uh, but not cowboys? Not cowboys. Although, mm, they yeah. come easy. <laughs> but the secret got out quick because pretty soon all the drunk cowboys coming out of the saloons late at night would stumble over to the tamale wagon demanding tamales. I mean, right. When a, when a cowboy demands a tamale mm-hmm. of you, you
1: give them a tamale. You,
0: you take a clump of that gold that you found <laughs> th- that you killed that prospect <laughs> for and you give it to them. Um, not to mention all the socialists and the anarchists who are holding meetings downtown also love these tamales because they were cheap and socialists and anarchists notoriously
1: don't have money. This was like the perfect food
0: for everybody. I feel like you're, you could easily downtown.
1: be describing like 2020 Echo Park. There's anarchists, <laughs> of- but there's also cowboys and they're all drinking at a bar and some of them are on the ground, but they're all eating tamales. <laughs> they're rollerblading cowboys. <laughs> but on top
0: of all this is that they were also a gateway food into Mexican cuisine, right? Right. and it was a huge leap forward in the melding of white and Latino culture in Los Angeles okay. it Was people coming together to eat a tamale right. like a lady in the tramp style <laughs> a cowboy on one end and a ranchero on the other end and they meet yeah. in the middle
1: and it, underneath them an anarchist is just whatever falls down he picks up he has his hands in a little bowl <laughs> he's using the husk as a flag because no. he's just crazy <laughs> he wants health care for everybody he's crazy and he the wants socialist the is angry
0: because he didn't get any and just like how LA is now taco town yeah. by the 1880s. You had to get a tamale when you came to Los Angeles. Right. Like you had to get pizza when you go to New York, right. or you had to get yelled at when you go to Boston. <laughs> they even spread to the upper class, with rich white people being served tamales on fine china oh in their God. homes oh, or at restaurants. Oh,
1: oh, 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 oh. <laughs> one is the tamale fork. This corn husk is delicious. <laughs>
0: yeah, they, they, ooh, what are these innards?
1: <laughs> is this the gut? Ooh. Throw these innards away. <laughs> Give it to the socialists. Yeah. I'll eat this corn husk. Delicious. Hot and delicious. An anarchist
0: living in their dumpster. <laughs> but just like how I'm not paying $4 for a taco at a restaurant, most people wanted to eat them off the street like right. the dirty dogs that we are. Do it to me. Uh, most <laughs> the anarchist that I secretly want to be. Uh, most of this activity centered around the plaza at Alvera Street down Main towards yeah. 6th Street. Okay, Like that's where most of this was happening. It was like a tamale row right. where the streets were, were paved with tamales. <laughs> this was the main hub of the city, this stretch, because you had the day laborers, the drifters, and the saloons. So there were a ton of people selling tamales right. to all these guys willing customers for tamales what
1: what do you have like a year around like the 1880s oh, okay yeah. this so was a, there was also like legitimate businessmen and like people who like had mom and pop shops like a barber well
0: we'll hear about that okay you've heard of the term nimby right no uh, i haven't <laughs> what are you talking you've never heard the word nimby no not in my backyard oh. You've never heard that. Word? I did. I just
1: wanted you I wanted you to say it all you pig.
0: No, I never heard the word NIMBY before. <laughs> and now I can send that <laughs> I could send that audio clipping <laughs> to those homeless people recording a, <laughs> pretending to record a podcast. Not in my podcast studio. Um I imagine like Figueroa today, like I said, when you get out of Staples Center oh, after yeah. a Kings game or something, but instead of hot dogs, it's a bunch of steamed corn husks. Right. Like that's just Yum-y. what it was like. Yummy <laughs> give it up. <laughs> Especially at night, it was crazy on this stretch and mm-hmm. the competition was fierce so you had to have gimmicks right. to stand out. Some people made tamales right there on the street instead of bringing them pre-made. Some had counters set up on oh, their wow. carts that you could sit up to eight people oh, on cool. one of these carts. One guy had a two-story cart that he would sleep upstairs in so that he could travel all around the city selling tamales without having to go home
1: like a tamale kung Disc. fu. <laughs> I come to a town, I break up a fight, I solve a whole problem and I sell 30% of my tamales.
0: <laughs> Please, the, our tamale warlords are, are fighting each other and it's tearing the whole town part and then he makes like a really good tamale yeah. and then he just kills both of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I watched Yojimbo the other night also so there's my other reference for you
1: I love this is a tangent that doesn't have to go to the, the episode but I love do you know that Daniel Hammett wrote Red Harvest and, and then Akira Kurosawa yeah, he, saw it and made Yojimbo and then
0: whoever made Fistful of Dollars yeah what's this
1: oh uh Ennio Marco no that's the musician Marconi made the Louis music Lui Prima uh
0: Sergio Leone yeah Leone made yeah. uh yeah thank you that's uh, all I let's just let's like knowing let's that say more Italians <laughs> buzz Tony Soprano uh <laughs> Danny Bonaducci. <laughs> uh, Daniel LaRusso so uh, the
1: the vendors Ralph <laughs> for that matter Ralph Pinocchio <laughs> or whatever his name is <laughs> who's the guy who
0: recently played Pinocchio Benicio Del Toro Benicio Del <laughs> Toro (laughs) The most Italian man I've ever met, Benicio del Toro. Toro. Um, So the vendors weren't just Mexican people, though. They were also black. They were white immigrant vendors as well, because it was a sure way to make some money. And like we were talking about, when you come to a new country or a new part of the country, like what else can you really do until you get your bearings except sell food? And all you had to do was get tamales and pay a dollar a month to be licensed. And you're in the tamale business, buddy.
1: Yeah. You get yourself a double decker, uh, some gimmicky (laughs) double decker uh, cart.
0: You're going around looking looking like one of the puppets from that wasn't used on the set of Star Wars and you're just walking around with tamales and you've got a a demon head for some reason. Some of them would also sell other things like popcorn and sandwiches and of course pig's feet and oyster cocktails. Sign me up. But mostly it was tamales and in particular the style that was most popular in LA, the hot tamale style, which was an unwrapped tamale topped with chili con carne. Okay, So that was a hot tamale. Which also that's another thing of chili. It's, It's in the El Pato tamale region of like, chili's not really
1: spicy. And I've had spicy chili before, it but can it's, been, be spicy. it's been advertised as being yeah, spicy. You, so, when you, yeah,
0: when you hear chili, you're like, ooh. Yeah. Oh my God. What's this? What's I, this now? I better call out sick from work tomorrow.
1: <laughs> it's not a given that chili is going to be spicy. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Unless I think like there's different regions of the country where like it's... Yeah, it, tamales, it, yeah.
0: I think in some part, like I think we talked about with Max Miller, I think in some parts of the country, a tamale is spicy. But also
1: I was talking about chili, but yeah, you are right about I think tamales. they're filled
0: with chili oh, and like, right. that's why it's spicy okay I don't know I never leave California so I don't know anything Uh, I only eat tamales off the street so (laughs) I don't know Uh, and they don't even sell them on the street anymore so I just it's it's a very awkward (laughs) transaction but I I get what I need everybody gets what they need
1: Everybody. both sides
0: are winners by 1901 there were over a hundred tamale vendors in LA at a time when there was like 87 people in the (laughs) whole city Uh, that meant of course that people were opposed to them Uh, what's that new word I tell what's the word of the episode
1: Cobra Cobra Kai Kai! we want this mind
0: meld (laughs) strike first strike hard not in my backyard (laughs) and by not in my backyard they mean bonsai trees (laughs) so that of course meant that people were opposed to them because time is a flat circle and history repeats is a flat circle the local business Hate the mom and pop places. Right. They hated the tamale wagons because they felt they were drawing away their customers. So as early as 1892, there were oh, efforts God. made to ban tamale vendors on the street. It didn't work. Nobody got it,
1: a haircut because everyone's spending money on chili. That's not a that's not a problem. Like that's not
0: a thing. <laughs> they're not coming and drinking my oyster cocktails. <laughs> they're all eating tamales. That's disgusting.
1: Nobody came in the blacksmith shop because they're all eating tamales.
0: <laughs> <laughs> these days don't even they don't need swords. They're just want uh-huh. tamales. <laughs> it didn't work. But in 1897, they tried a different tactic to not let the wagons begin to operate until after 9 p.m. Then in 1901 the police chief wanted them all to close by 1 a.m. because they felt that they were attracting a rough crowd which was bound to happen when you're a food source located at an Old West saloon filled with Civil War veterans (laughs) with PTSD so yeah there's going to be an occasional fight or two and theft that occurred around them but the media no doubt influenced by political forces played all of these negative stories up by painting the tamale wagons as being dangerous and dirty places. Yeah. So and not in my backyard. <laughs> then they tried again in 1903 to ban them completely, but this time the tumaleros fought back. Hell yeah. Revenge of the tamaleiros. They teamed up and got 500 of their customers to sign a letter saying how much the community needed the tamale wagons. It said we claim that the lunch wagons are catering to an appreciative public and to deprive the people of these convenient eating places would prove a great loss to the many local merchants who sell the wagon proprietors various supplies. Okay, yeah, smart. So where are they going to get the wheels for the tamale (laughs) wagon?
1: And those 500 people were shot and killed. (laughs) And that's how the city works.
0: So there was kind of an uneasy truce between the tamale in the city for a while, and oftentimes they were even embraced by the bigger organizations in the city. Right. In 1905, the YMCA ran a tamale wagon to raise money to send their track and field team to compete in Portland, so they were selling tamales. But the flip side of that was that that same year, 1905, uh, Los Angeles High School built their own kitchen so that they could make food for their students to keep their students away from tamale carts. Oh my god! Like, we'll give you food, yeah. don't go eat at a tamale cart for lunch. Oh my god. This was actually the first food prep cafeteria in a school in the entire <sighs> Entire country, really. So this was like the almost the
1: beginnings of like cafeteria cafeteria food. Yeah. food at schools. It's funny to think that the cafeteria was invented to fight off tamale wagons,
0: and then cafeteria guaranteed food was provided by the Black Panthers. So <laughs> they took it back, but it was a long, slow losing battle for the tamaleros. In yeah. 1910, a hundred businessmen downtown signed a letter to have them banned once again because they said it made the area look bad. Um, in 1920, a councilman named Fred Wheeler stood up for them, saying the tamale. Put Los Angeles on the map. Mm-hmm. These wagons are almost an institution in our city. Yeah. Cabrillo and his sailors are said to have found them here when they landed. <laughs> Drive these wagons from our streets never. And that's why you see them on every block. Yeah. <laughs> we, we're going to eat tamales for <laughs> breakfast. We're going to eat tamales for dinner. <laughs> oh, we're that gonna sounds eat.
1: good. That's that's my life from like Thanksgiving to like New Year's, but <laughs> you were it right now, it sounds really good. Then in
0: 1924, they were finally officially banned from the plaza, but in true Tamalero style, everybody just ignored that and they kept <laughs> selling them. But their popularity also spread beyond just the wagons. As we discussed with Max Miller, there was the Tamale Restaurant, which right. was opened by Samuel C. Wilhite. sounds like another German. Yeah, what are these German taking it. Well, what what what's with these us? Germans taking all of my Mexican yeah. <laughs> food?
1: Go to move to Anaheim, which is a German <laughs> word. This was in
0: East LA, the tamale. In 1928, that opened up it was shape like a tamale. Yes. But there were also some mega tamale empires that arose from this tamale row. Uh, the not so good people of Anaheim copied the tamale trend of LA. And one of those idea thieves was Alejandro Morales, who in 1906 opened a tamale restaurant that eventually became the Don Miguel Mexican Foods Company. Oh wow, really? So he was if started in Anaheim, but inspired by the downtown L.A. Wow. T- tamale vendors. But closer to home, and more importantly, because it's closer to home, was a company <laughs> called XLNT. Max Miller also talked about this. Yeah. It's pr- excellent. CEO was um, Keanu Reeves. <laughs> Bill and Ted's tamale adventure. <laughs> its founding member was Mr. Birds. Got it. Bill and Ted Bogus Burrito is the, <laughs> the sequel to this company. Uh, they started selling tamales in 1894. Excellent. Yeah. Uh, 1894. Yeah. Downtown, they were doing it, but after a few years, they opened up a factory in Boy Heights off Washington Boulevard because Mm -hmm. people loved their tamales so much and they had to keep up with the demand and they just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. They became sort of the go-to tamale brand in L.A. Most likely they were providing the tamales to the tamale restaurant. So that's eventually they became owned by a worker of theirs named Charles Crawford. Not that one. And he's there. Imagine if uh, (laughs) a corrupt politician (laughs) Charles Crawford started in the tamale business Um, and he started taking them outside the city limits. He got them into grocery stores. he shot them (laughs) because He's a gangster. It is that Charles Crawford. I lied. Take that tamale behind the tamale barn and shoot it to international tamale waters. Uh, take he, the tamale. Leave the tamale. Take the husk. Leave the tamale. He got them into grocery stores, liquor stores, and school cafeterias. Oh, wow. It comes full circle. There were ads in the newspapers saying that they were the best on earth. They sponsored a radio show on KNX 1070. I don't know the rest. You don't know? what? Are the, what are, the Wave? <laughs> Big boy. Are we talking about big boy? News 98. What is like? How
1: are these things going over your head that I'm saying to you? KNX 1070 News Radio. Okay, you need to understand that I'm dumb. I don't know anything about anything. If you need to know one of the actors from Adam West Batman, I could name <laughs> maybe five or six of them.
0: It's uh, it's, it's still around KNX ten seventy. So they oh, have a news Spot- radio. News. <laughs> <laughs> their logo for excellent was in Disney cartoons, and it was in. They would like throw it in the oh, background, okay. and it was also in the background of Little Rascal shorts. <laughs> you just see it going around. That's funny. Uh, in nineteen fifteen, they got cars to start delivering their tamales rather than carts and wagons, calling it the motorized tamale wagon, which was Ford's original original. original name for the
1: car (laughs) it's hard sell for detroit but in in the west it worked in the west
0: they became a multi-million dollar company under crawford making millions of tamales a year by multi-million i mean tamales and also over 60 other items like taco kits enchilada kits they also made pizza and mayonnaise Mm -hmm. um together or separate (laughs) Pizza-flavored mayonnaise. <laughs> uh, cut out the middleman when you put mayonnaise on your pizza. <laughs> we'll do it for you. Here's a kit. When pizza's in your mayonnaise, you can have mayonnaise anytime. Uh, they were eventually bought by Alex Foods, which were a tamale company also in Anaheim that also invented Doritos. Oh, wow. So, yeah, so... But now they're owned by Santa Fe Importers and they're back in town. They're in Long Beach. Mm-hmm. They were a serious local favorite that it's kind of fallen out of favor nowadays, but they've been using the same recipe since 1906 in their signature red, white, and blue packaging. They're only found in the freezer section of of supermarkets now and they have a map on their website showing which supermarkets sell them if you want to go if you want yeah. to go get, get me a sack yep. they also have some pretty cool shirts on there uh, yeah. which you should get me a sack of those yeah. too <laughs> you can buy them in bags of 6, 12 or just one giant tamale oh yeah could you imagine oh, such a thing
1: yeah. <laughs> oh yeah <A> fa- family <laughs> and it, style yeah yeah and, 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 and everyone just takes like a fork and just starts <laughs> wolfing it down
0: <laughs> the waiter has it like it's like on his oh, back right. and he's like trembling under the yeah, weight yeah, of the yeah, tamale yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the corn husk is then recycled into like like a, a wedding gown for somebody,
1: they put it on the table and it like if Flintstone cars turns over, <laughs> yeah. like the big rib cage, it's a living. <laughs> um, they only make chicken or beef, but you can okay. also buy their
0: frozen chili con carne to get real sloppy and make it hot tamale style yeah, if you yeah. want to get the giant one and get yeah. make it hot tamale. And you know what this this Christmas season, make it a hot tamale. It, it was a hot girl summer. Now it's a hot tamale Christmas. <laughs> but I'm I'm burying the lead here, Greg. Excellent is the oldest continually operating Mexican food. Food brand in the united states wow really that's pretty that's pretty impressive but yeah. in the 1920s people started moving here from other parts of mexico and all the drunk old prospectors in the world couldn't save the tamale <laughs> from being replaced by its sexy cousin who isn't afraid to go huskless on the street <laughs> the taco tacos so
1: good. the hot dogs from mexico in terms of just being able to grab <laughs> and it and you have to turn your you head. head yeah you have to turn yeah, that's right we had a whole conversation before yeah. about how it's two foods that you have to turn your head yeah, to
0: eat. and it, and expect to get wet <laughs> so goodbye tamales i've got a date with a food that'll spill all over my shirt so yeah those are tamales cool uh, and this is about the midway point of the episode so we're going to take a little break we're going to eat one giant tamale between yeah. the two of us and uh we'll see you on the other end of this break we'll see you on the other end of the tamale <laughs> If you, like millions of other Americans, are like me, then you have teeth. They're square little bones that go in your jaw. <laughs> They're tiny little chiclets that you might call <laughs> chompers. If you're like us, you're a bit overwhelmed by all the teeth whitening products that are on the market. So this next sponsor, which is Smile Brilliant, has provided with us some... If you're skeptical of getting any sort of teeth whitening, these facts will clear things up a little bit for you. Teeth whitening does not whiten your teeth. All it does is it removes the stains and restores the tooth to its natural color. And the natural color varies per person, but for most, it's an off-white or slightly yellowish undertone like yours. Yours are like dark green.
1: (laughs) Yeah, like you look at my teeth and you're like, oh, you drink tea, don't you? Those are made of wood, right? So here's the next fact. Teeth whitening does not damage
0: teeth, but it does temporarily dehydrate them. When dehydrated, the pores in the enamel are open and exposed, and the open pores invite acids and sugars, which as we all know, leads to tooth decay. So avoid or minimize acidic and sugary substances for at least 24 hours after whitening. Also avoid staining substances as the teeth are more susceptible to restaining during this period. Here's another fact, Jacked. Tooth sensitivity is the result of tooth dehydration. When the pores of the enamel are open, the teeth become dehydrated, exposing the nerve to the elements. As the tooth rehydrates, the sensitivity will dissipate. So to accelerate the rehydration and curb sensitivity, use a post-whitening application known as remineralization or desensitizing gel.
1: Remineralization was what Willy Wonka did to Mike TV, right? is when, when the Oompa Loompas were taking him away, they're like, remineralize that guy.
0: <laughs> and desensitize the other <laughs> one. She's full of juice. So here's another fact. Caps and veneers cannot be whitened because they do not have pores for the stains to latch to. So prior to having oh. dental work, you should whiten your teeth, restoring them to their natural color as the dentist will be color matching to your current shade. Here's the last fact for you. The key to teeth whitening is the delivery device. So as long as a whitening product is a peroxide-based whitener, it will remove the stains. What differentiates one product from the next is the device that holds the whitening agent to the tooth without interruption. So whitening strips neglect the crevices and molars and they slide around on your teeth. Saliva floods the generic trays because they are bulky and don't create a seal. You might want to say, oh, I'll try LED lights. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, anything.
0: Anything. Get the LED out. Guess what, Greg? Those are novelty items that add no benefit. You need a high output UV light only found at the dentist for those to work. So don't fall for it, you you stupid idiot.
1: I'm glad I kept my receipt, so we're good.
0: <laughs> the number one whitening device recommended by dentists is the custom fitted tray. That's all that's going to work for you. You can have your dentist make your tray for $300 to $600. Or guess what? Your pals here at LA Meekly, we've got a better deal for you. Head on over to smilebrilliant.com and use their lab direct mail in process for a fraction of the price you would pay at the dentist. And if you grind your teeth, also, you can purchase Smile custom fitted night guards once again for a fraction of the price the dentist charge, which
1: we know I think we even talked about in this episode. I use a night guard. You had told me several times throughout our, our friendship and then we did that comedy show in Arizona. So we we yeah. shared a room and you were like, hold on a second and he put a night guard in him like, yeah. oh this was a, I thought it was a joke I thought it was a bit
0: <laughs> I said let's box. Part of the- <laughs> so once again that's smilebrilliant.com and use coupon code LA Meekly for an exclusive discount just from us, your boys. Who care about you and your teeth and your teeth. Because we one day we're going to need those teeth from you. So, that again, that's smilebrilliant.com. Use coupon code LAMeekly, smilebrilliant.com. Let your teeth shine. So, uh, welcome to the middle of the show. And uh, we're to. Let's all go to the
1: lobby. Let's all go to the Our lobby. trainers
0: are icing our faces and cutting the wounds around our eyes so that we can see again. Hit him in the gut. Hit him
1: in the gut. Hit him in the gut. Sweep
0: the leg. Sweep the leg. Which I presume uh, Karate will be a running joke in this episode. We want to take this time again to ask you, the listeners, to answer what I'm about to ask you hmm. for our November episode. We are going to, the episode will be based around one question we got from a listener of ours, and we are going to answer it, and we want to hear your answers, too. So send these in. Here's the question. Remember, I'm, I'm dumb. Go
1: slow, please.
0: So here's the question. Why, when there are any number of towns and cities in the U.S. to live in, do people want to be in L.A.? Beyond the restaurants and museums, what are the things that are intrinsic about L.A. that make people want to live and work there, the things that bind you to the place, the things that are so elemental to your understanding of LA as home that it is hard for you to even conceive of yourselves being anywhere else. What is the quote unquote California
1: dream that draws you here? The dream of the big one happening. This is the natural disaster that I've come to uh, identify to with Yeah, to crave. This is the only one the that I'm with. The only reason
0: with. I'm sticking around is so that I can live through the big one <laughs> <laughs> or die through the big one. Those who live through the big one, die by the big one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, send your answers to our email la.meekly at gmail.com or on Twitter at LA Meekly or on Instagram LA underscore meekly or maybe on Facebook. Yeah. Whatever the hell you want you to. You know do. what?
1: <laughs> if you want to write me a letter, ask my for my my address
0: so send it to us uh, get it to us as soon as you can because mm-hmm. we'll be recording that episode in a month right so give it now back to the show <laughs> Yeah, so we're back. I still have, I can still feel my tongue a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I'm ready yeah. to get a little spicy. I feel like
1: somebody put a cheese grater in the microwave for two minutes and then just <laughs> scrape my tongue. I'm like, oh, and people are like, isn't it spicy food good?
0: No! no, give me El Pato.
1: There actually was an era, I mean, an era, and there was an era in <laughs> There was a while where I was getting really into spicy food, and then I think I started getting heartburn a little bit after that. I thought, not okay, related. Not unre- completely no. <laughs> unrelated. I appreciate now I'm, I'm, I'm an adult now, and I realize that there are different tastes to different. Spicy food said that they don't all just taste like pain. <laughs> I've dabbled in some hot chickens before.
0: I've been known to put a mm-hmm. little bit of a uh, green bell pepper
1: on my hamburger. I enjoy the taste of a jalapeno being near my pizza slice, but not directly on my pizza slice. I don't mind there's a, a
0: painting of a habanero <laughs> in the restaurant
1: I am eating. Yeah, you're not a big spicy. I love no, spicy you food. You do, yeah. My thing with spicy like food, like, I want it to wreck me. Like That's when you talk to the waiter. like, I want it to mess me up. There have only... <laughs> I, I First, I grab him by the collar. <laughs> you listen I, here. Listen here, what's your name? Candace. (laughs) I know this is an Applebee's, but figure it out. I want to be incapacitated (laughs) for at least a day. I want every conversation I have for the rest of the day to be about how hot that food was. I I want to have a picture
0: of myself (laughs) on your wall because I ordered the Volcano Curry and I couldn't finish it. Uh, There's only been maybe two restaurants I've been to where it was so spicy that I couldn't... Okay, here's one thing. This yeah, was yeah, actually yeah. in New York because there was uh, what's New York? <laughs> <laughs> I heard of
1: that before. New York City.
0: <laughs> you know they have salsa. There's the, like a halal, like yeah. uh, like meat and rice sort of thing. Yeah. And me and Melissa went there years ago, and they did the sauce for you. Okay. Like it's a tray of just meat and rice, yeah. and they put the sauce on for uh-huh. you and it was some
1: sauce. I bet they looked at you like, how hot do you want it? and no, I bet no, no, no. you laughed. Here's the thing. Like the joker. The, thing. the first time
0: <laughs> I gave him a card, please forgive my condition. I order an uncontrollable amount of hot sauce. <laughs> I, and I, 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 I'm a problem customer. <laughs> you're not going to want to serve me again. So they give it to you and we ate it and it was really spicy and it was yeah. really good. We go back like four years later and we're like, we're going back there yeah. and we got it and now they let you put as much, you would put the hot oh, sauce yeah. on. Oh, okay. yeah, so yeah. they let us choose as much hot sauce mm-hmm. as we put put on we put on so much hot sauce. I could eat like a third of it and I could like it was torture. Like I could not eat anymore. And then we had a wedding to go to the next day. And I was very
1: sick. You had a joke for a while and you stop doing it you're not an alcoholic you don't do drugs but you like go crazy for food and you have about three stories where you're like i knew it was wrong to do it but i ate all of it and it made me miserable (laughs) and you talk about it and you're sort of like (laughs) "But like i'm oh god i was just talking yesterday with melissa about how i
0: i think i had a corned beef sandwich Uh a (laughs) peanut butter brownie and a whole bottle of fruit nectar and then in the middle of times square this is also new york yeah in the middle of times Square threw up in my friend's car, in, in Yo Alex's car, yeah. and also out the window <laughs> into Times Square with the whole world watching me oh, and just like projectile...
1: <laughs> Good day, <laughs> New York. That kid just threw up the whole, the whole Big Apple. He's throwing up a Big Apple right now. That is. I remember you were is saying that the that, mayor. Didn't you like the handle that the the grossest part went? This is disgusting. Why But so cleaning
0: funny. out the where you hold the door uh, to open it was a horrific experience. I'll never forget.
1: Uh, I remember for your wedding. I formally like I, I met Melissa's dad. I think once before, but like now we were like parting. He was like we were talking about Italy and stuff and. I like I leaned in close like Daniel told me that you told him not to eat a bunch of strawberries and he ate that a was bunch cherries. of cherries. That's, yeah, that's what it was. The cherries. Daniel t- Daniel told me that you he told him to not eat a bunch of cherries and he ate the cherries and he was sick and he's like, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. We're, yeah, we were happened. in
0: an area where they're like famous for the cherries and I told him like, I'm going to go buy, I, I'm going to buy a bunch of cherries and he's like, don't eat too many of them. And I thought he was like playfully like, don't eat too many and then I ate too many and I realized he wasn't joking.
1: The way you told it to me, it sounded like he put his hand on the, your shoulders and pulled <laughs> you side like don't do it okay and you're like
0: yeah, yeah. The, sure. the, the lights around him dimmed and there's a spotlight on him do not eat too many cherries <laughs> mm-hmm. got it absolutely since no one's around
1: uh, don't mind if
0: i snuck into the kitchen in the middle of the night <laughs> do
1: do 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 <laughs> yeah, I took a turkey leg out of the refrigerator. <laughs> <laughs> you're like a goblin for food. And I always say like you should look very different than you do. But something oh, thank wrong with you. your you. So, so that you're, was a at attention. Yeah, Anyways, was- I'm going to be talking about something that I was very proud to talk about. I'm very interested in this. We're on our two big ones now, yeah, by the yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we yeah, said yeah, the yeah, best yeah. for last. <clears throat> we, all we, for <clears throat> we all know this man. We respect him. We've seen him for years. I'm going to be talking about Tapatio and the Tapatio man.
0: He's been a father figure father. to all
1: of us. We've pitted him against the Cholula lady for years. <laughs> Years now. His unconfirmed <laughs> wife,
0: Senorita <laughs> Chalula. They're never in the same room at the same time. <laughs> Um, Just like a married couple.
1: Tapatio salsa picante or hot sauce <laughs> was starting in 1971 here in Maywood. Wow, Vernon it's area. that recent? Yeah, it's not old. Sorry. Well, don't be so defensive. Sorry, then. sorry, sorry, sorry. It's it was, a young I, man's hot I, sauce. I, I did this one first and then I went to Alpato, I'm like, 1840. Uh, yeah. So what, what what area was it? Maywood Vernon area. Okay, and it was right. started by Jose Luis Savidra. I couldn't find too much out about Saavedra, um his upbringing, other than he came to Los Angeles by way of Mexico. In one passage in an article I read, he was from Mexico City. another I read he was from um, Ciudad
0: de Mexico whatever that is (laughs) whatever that
1: means uh, CDMX uh, Guadalajara which is a state in which is in the state of Jalisco and when he got here he found work at the aerospace manufacturing plant in Vernon well what spurred you mean the sausage factory in Vernon (laughs) uh, aerospace slash slaughterhouse I don't know what that's they slaughtered planes (laughs) and turned them into hot dogs there's only one plant in Vernon they do everything there well what spurred Savidra to start his own company during the 60s the hot sauce that would one day become a house household item started making the rounds and becoming a hit Come lunchtime at Savidra's last job, working at the, like I said, when he was working at the aerospace manufacturer, lunchtime he would be serving this hot sauce that him and his wife were making. Uh, they would make batches at home, and he would take it to work. And like just I said, for
0: like the the work, like yeah, just friends. for the workers. He
1: would make it for his own food, but then he started taking it to work, and then they probably had a little bit of it. And it's like okay, I going to make some for him. <laughs> I'm
0: gonna make a decoy hot sauce
1: <laughs> <now>. <laughs> Oh, isn't that hot sauce bad? And he's like, mm. <laughs> nice hot sauce, nerdling. <laughs> they push him over <laughs> right into the slaughter <laughs> chamber, <laughs> and everyone, everyone, his wife, and all the people that were be serving in at his work was saying you should probably bottle this and sell this and he was like nah it's too much trouble and he was always shrugging it off
0: now that's something I can relate to <laughs>
1: <laughs> hey, you should do this thing nah probably not is that food I can't eat it nah probably not well he wouldn't be shrugging it off for long because in 1971 there was a recession and Jose Luis Savidra was laid off from the plant where he worked he then took on two part time jobs just to keep his family afloat his wife and his three kids and on top of these two jobs his wife now was pushing very hard for Jose to start his own company bottling this hot sauce and that was starting to sound like a better idea than working these like two jobs but what, what would you call it well he was looking for something catchy and he wanted to use something like familiar to him and so he used his wife's family name and the hot sauce company he was opening was going to be called Cuervo If you're familiar, Cuervo is a <laughs> and he name. wanted
0: to use uh, his cousin's first name, Jose.
1: <laughs> Cuervo is the name of a famous tequila, Jose Cuervo, of which Dolores Cuervo is related.
0: Oh, weird! So that's, his that's wife, quite a
1: family, it is. His wife is Dolores Cuervo of the Cuervo family, which makes tequila. We'll put in pen in that. But just so you know, that when the Oak came out, it was called Cuervo. He opened a small plant in Maywood, and on top of his two jobs, he started his own business, his own small business. Jose Luis Cevichero, en-
0: endless energy, apparently. Really, this guy?
1: Yeah, Cevichero was over forty spoke limited English and had no real business background but he went forward anyways which is sounding more and more relatable (laughs) to me (laughs) those first few few years were really rough Jose hired a worker to run the plant while he worked his other job so basically he'd pick this guy up in the morning his worker and drive him to the Cuervo plant then Sevilla would go to his first job he'd come back on his break and check in on his employee and see how he was doing give him instructions for the rest of the day for bottling and labeling everything then go to his second job he'd come back later with his three kids to the plant Jose Luis Jr little Dolores not the mom and Jackie <laughs> not the mama not the mama I don't I, I don't like say Dolores Junior for f- females but I, that's probably acceptable the four of them would finish orders for the day while well, the kids either did homework or napped or some of them would help out that's the humble beginnings of Tapatio and I love it like it's really like a family business that starts from like a guy has two other jobs and has to make this work
0: why couldn't the Cuervo side of the family kick in a little money to get, make this easier I don't know they've no, never yeah, stated yeah we support you yeah. uh, we we'll I mean, support as,
1: you uh, spiritually uh, as Yeah, as much tequila as you Want as long as it's one bottle a month. They did everything by hand. He said, he, I, you know, I remove the stem, I grind the peppers, and I even apply the glue to the labels. I did, he, they did everything.
0: Do you know what kind of peppers they use? No,
1: or, I didn't, I didn't look into that that much. I was, I was spelled down with the of story. Of peppers. Uh, making it was only half the battle, and trying to get the stores to stock it would prove a little bit more difficult than actually making and putting and bottling in it. Uh, it was really tiring. He would leave the bottled hot sauce at markets in East LA for consignment, meaning like they would only get paid whatever they sold off. His luck changed through a Japanese owned grocery grocery store, which ordered 10 cases of 24 bottles, which was a massive order for them at the time. That's something I was going to discuss later, but now's a good time too. Tapatio is well-loved outside of the Latino area, like non-Latino, non-Mexican restaurant settings really love Tapatio. You'll find it at, like, the Asian restaurants and stuff. It's a fixture on tables of restaurants across cultures, and Los Angeles, of course, is a prime way to see the different places they would get it's displayed. Sometimes
0: I, sometimes I don't like that, <laughs> <laughs> because... <laughs>
1: We're still talking about the Proud Boys, right? I, I uh, hate uh, cross-cultural uh, because, items
0: because sometimes I'll go to a place like a a, a lot of Middle Eastern places right. will have Tapatio yeah on the table, but like
1: that flavor doesn't go with right. that for me. Some people would disagree with you. Yeah, um, but they're wrong. I see. I, I can see you wanting like I want this culture spicy. Yeah, food. I, want, I want. I want their hot sauce. Yeah, I don't
0: want to just like it. It, it almost at this point it all it has almost become like ketchup. But like, I, I think both right. of the ones we're about to talk about have almost become. Like, like ketchup right where it's just like you got salt you got pepper you got tapatio you got my thing you got if if
1: you ask for hot sauce it's it's probably going to be tapatio that comes out
0: and i love tapatio but it it doesn't fit all
1: occasions right right Right? right. okay
0: which is why you'll see we have a a whole array of different hot sauces
1: in my home of what goes with what Uh, a friend of savidra also told him like hey i I got an order for your company for 15 cases and savidra's response was Are you out of your mind? (laughs) It will take me weeks to like. My kids (laughs) have finals. (laughs) Like that's how little their beginnings were. We're like, we got a big order, and I was like, why? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Why would you? Success is an inconvenience at that point. We're not ready for (laughs) fifteen cases in a week. Uh, The company was struggling those early years, and because profits were so low, he had to lay off his one employee and rely on his (laughs) His interns. Yeah, his his interns, (laughs) which being his kids, on helping him out. But help was about to come in the form of a lawsuit because after. God. Oh, thank god because after four years of Sevidra's hot sauce operating under the name Cuervo the real Jose Cuervo company came after them and asked them to stop
0: wait a minute his family came up his wife's family was like sued. hey can you
1: yeah they, they made a lawsuit like hey can you stop using so our name they didn't name. even ask first yeah you know, I don't know if that was in a they didn't, um, the kids did an interview with the hundreds this publication called the hundreds and I don't know if that came up or not whether like that was mentioned by the Cuervo family it's like hey, can you not
0: that's how they got to the top yeah you don't get to the top of tequila mountain without cutting your own family's throat <laughs>
1: how sad this story is tequila fighting salsa um but the ball <laughs> was sort of in Savage's court because he owned the state trademark in california to sell a product uh, named cuervo and no uh, jose cuervo tequila did not uh, the tequila would counter be countersuit <laughs> ah. like a legal cobra kai <laughs> courtroom kai it's sweep the legs still works in a courtroom <laughs> setting i'll allow it be strong daniel be strong in the courtroom Bow to the judge now bow to each other Sue, like I was saying, the tequila would be infringing on the salsa's copyright in California. A deal was worked out between the two companies, and Saavedra sold the name and the California distribution rights to Jose Cuervo International Inc. and used the cash from the buyout to purchase the production equipment to get their salsa picante off the ground. Now we can make fifteen bottles. Yeah. Now that now that's no problem. Sixteen bottles. Here's the weird thing: if we if we had a Patreon level where we had side stories, this would be a Patreon uh-huh. level. Yeah, for we've a side got. Story. I feel
0: like there's a few in this episode. Yeah. Which, hey, if that sounds like a good
1: idea to you. Let us know Let and we'll know. create one. Yeah. And we
0: will charge you at the, out and up the wazoo for
1: it. So Jose's wife's Dolores is directly related to Jose Cuervo. Got it. Dapatillo's main competitor. Will, is
0: Jose Cuervo a real person or is that just like a I imagine name? it's a
1: real person okay. That's, at some point. Tap- now who's Don Miguel? <laughs> who's Pepsi Cola? Dapatillo's main competitor is and always has been Cholula Hot Sauce. Right. Which, in my mind, there is no competition. No, not, not at all. Cholula Hot Sauce is owned by Jose Cuervo International. I don't know when they purchased oh, that. Weird. So, there's a Tapatio right. named Cuervo, directly yeah. <laughs> related to Cuervo. Instead of joining, they made them stop calling themselves Cuervo, they bought the rights, and then they went for another hot sauce, which is the competitor this of is, Tapatio. This is
0: almost like the monster energy thing yeah, of like yeah, Coca-Cola yeah. trying to, like, if I can't beat them, I'm going to buy their competition.
1: <laughs> that That's really weird. It's really weird. I don't understand it. And I, I bet, and the kids are alive, I could have asked them, like, what's, what's the deal with that? that? But I don't know. It wasn't in the hundreds articles on it. <laughs> what about Gourmet Sleuth? You love Gourmet Sleuth? <laughs> I don't love Love him, I need him. I don't like working with a guy. He's quite ornery, ornery, orny, ornery. He talks in puzzles. He has a guy named Watson, but he only uses Watson as a soundboard.
0: He keeps doing some sort of powder out of a little case <laughs> he carries around, and he he has needles. I don't. Know. I think he likes vaccines. I think he's pro-vax. That pig is pro-vax.
1: Not until it's approved by the FDA.
0: It got approved.
1: Ooh, ooh, uh, what, uh, who? how about it's approved by the nba mm-hmm. what do the proud boys say about it are they pro i love that trump was like he should get vaccinated people were like, like oh this is bigger <laughs> than him now whoa i thought this was all about him so now he has the means of production right but he needs a brand name a new brand name okay and then it came to him Charo. Uh, He bought 10,000 labels and started selling his hot sauce under the name Charo. What? Uh, Yeah, but was quickly sued because- This guy
0: has the, like, the, what, like, I'm going to name this one Murder She Wrote.
1: (laughs) He was quickly sued because despite what the state California records state- Is that what Charo
0: says? Chet, chet, chet. What is it? Cha-cha-charo.
1: cha um, <laughs> Anyways. So they, they they go for the name Charo and it was quickly sued because despite what the State of California Records said, there was already a name, a uh, company named Charo. So 10,000 labels wasted. He's like, I printed them already. So what to call this new salsa picante? How about, How about churros? Um, <laughs> Churro bread. <hot> <laughs> well, what to call this salsa picante? Well, so you kids were all born in Guadalajara and anything that originates from Guadalajara is called a tapatillo so why not what, honor what
0: do you mean what does that mean
1: uh, I got to it so why not honor his kids and have a term familiar in their community and call the new salsa picante a tapatillo yeah anything from Guadalajara is typically uh referred to as a tapatio. I didn't look up what tapatillo means though it's oh, just something from there
0: what is that what do you mean like something like a it could be a person it could be a car I heard be- like
1: nouns like a person they also like call things that come from Guadalajara tapatios. What? Uh Like,
0: instead of saying, like, that thing from
1: Guadalajara? Yeah, they'll say Tapatio. That Tapatio? I bet it served initially as, like, things, and then, like, a person would come over, like, he's a Tapatio, too. And then people like, ha, 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 but then it just stuck. Well, it sounds like
0: someone's uncle. Uncle Tapa. Mm -hmm. He likes Tapas. That's this is why we call him Uncle
1: Tapas. <laughs> um, <laughs> we're not very creative in yeah. our family. Okay. So then so he calls the company Tapatio. And then they were quickly sued again. Um, <laughs> this time by a major company. By Jose Tapatillo. <laughs> Conagra and Del Monte Foods, who oh, had a wow. similarly named product. It looks like Patio. I bet it's Patio. Hmm. but it looks like Patio. Con Agra and Del Monte were assuming that Savidra was putting Ta in front of Patio to, to patio. work to patio, to patio work on the brand name Familiarity and cash in on customer confusion, okay. which he was not. Um, if, although, with this guy's track record, I mean, maybe, he, maybe was. he was. Maybe he He feels like a person who sees a label and then it doesn't occur to him. He's like Robin Williams stealing jokes. It wasn't occurring to me that I was stealing a joke. It I was, was just a, It's part riffing. of my process. Yeah, it's part I just of my process. sucked up whatever was in the room. I absorbed labels and then I just spit them out and I don't know where I saw them. <laughs> he knew that this giant company would crush him if he fought them in court but the case I guess went to the Supreme Court but in the end he won against them because they were people
0: versus Tapatio people versus Tapatio (laughs) Patillo versus
1: Tapatio and he was able to continue using Tapatio because he was able to prove like no it's anything from I'm not infringing on their right to call their thing Patio Tapatio is a term already which right. they probably but use. who's still around exactly <laughs> Del Monte food sounds really familiar I think
0: Del Monte food's very I mean they make ketchup but they make oh, a lot right, right, they right. make a ton of things okay my favorite spicy condiment <laughs> ketchup. ketchup
1: now he's able to use Tapatio as a name but they need a logo people have apparently asked several times if the handsome Tapatio man who adorns the Tapatio bottle if that's a depiction of Jose Sevedra unfortunately no mm. as the LA Times puts it he's not the dapper mustachioed some rail wearing man <sighs> label, the sketch is an artist's depiction of a true Tapatio. The label is a way to dignify the appearance of a chato, a traditional Mexican horseman and gentleman, which Savitra said has been sullied by inaccurate stereotypes. The lighter skin and blue eyes also depict the common features of people who live in the highlands of Jalisco. So it's
0: a it's actually a depiction of Zorro, who's <laughs> also copyrighted.
1: <laughs> Let's call it Masked Fighter. <laughs> Tapatio's next big strike comes in mid-70s when United Western Grocers Incorporated, the largest food distributor, they placed their first order for 25 k and it would be a long relationship that would lead to other deals that would build the company up across the country and lead up the deal to become a nationwide popular hot sauce. Through the 80s, Saavedra got help from his new college age kids, you know, Jose Luis <laughs> Jr. He's still making him bottle his yeah. hot sauce. The son, Jr. studied medicine in Mexico. Dolores, the daughter, studied law and Jackie studied finances and accounting and in 1985, they all joined the That's company. All,
0: that, that, those three those are, are the, the ingredients three. of Tapatillo. <laughs> That's the
1: triad right there. In 1985, they all joined the company to help out and eventually brought their own kids on board so Tapatio is really a family organization which we love to see we love In-N-Out uh, we love In-N-Out stories <laughs>
0: uh not related we no, love In-N-Out, we love
1: In-N-Out. <laughs> In-N-Out completely related In-N-Out is also another family organization which right. the granddaughter is now running Dolores the daughter also married a gentleman named Roche who studied law and now works for the company on legal matters so like they're just bringing like you're related marry a lawyer what do, do you do yeah. do we
0: know anyone who works in vinegar are you attracted to
1: any vinegar people so during the 80s Tapatio moved out of the little 750 50 square foot place in Maywood and they moved to a new place that was like 8,500 square feet less than a mile from my home as they got more popular in the late 80s Tapatheo started releasing the 10 ounce bottles and it was followed by the 5 ounce bottles so you see like the taller one and the right, shorter right. one but the they,
0: little ones are too small yeah they are It's like
1: two meals it's good to put in like a purse or something
0: I put them in uh, women's purses <laughs> in the supermarket because I like seeing women get uh, stopped Flustered. by security yeah. uh,
1: on the way out and be like oh you like Tapatheo <laughs> cool. I like the topper for <laughs> My wife, love, Lula, my wife loves Tapatio. She's not here. <laughs> maybe we should hang out sometime talks talk salsa. Um, 1989, with their success at the highest... <laughs> I'm related to Jose Cuervo. <laughs> In 1989, with their success at the highest it had ever been, they introduced the mother load. Mm-hmm. 32-ounce bottle. Oh my God,
0: Are those the ones that that don't even have the same top? It's like... Yeah, yeah, it's like a... Like a it's like a jug, almost. <laughs> yeah, it's like a jug, yeah.
1: Maybe <laughs> I'm thinking of Valentina.
0: No, I, no, I think it's a, it, like... No, it's, instead it's, of a twist-off, it's like a flip, maybe? Oh, no, I think it's a pointy.
1: It's a sriracha sauce up top. Oh Sriracha really? T-
0: I think it's a pointy. All right, that seems more. E- I hate
1: having a shake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't yeah, like yeah. having.
0: Don't make me shake.
1: Listen, chubby checker. Don't make me shake. I know what year it is. I will rattle. I will roll. I will not shake. By 1996, Sevidra and his family realized that they had outgrown the newest facility and had to once again move. So they had to have one made. They couldn't move into a factory, so they had one. They were rich enough. now to not have one made. The place was big. It was thirty thousand square feet, and it would be their new home for Tapatio to grow even bigger. And this is the last place. This is where they are now. By the year 2000, Tapatio had. At both a gallon size for amusement parks and small packets oh, fast yeah, fast food. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've yeah, seen have, those. Yeah.
0: I, I think they have them at Staples Center. Either. Yeah,
1: I think they do. Yeah. In 2010, Tapatio made a distribution deal with Kraft Foods which expanded Tapatio's reach even farther. And after all these years, Savitra is very tight-lipped about his success, not revealing how much hot sauce he sells or how much money the company makes. He commented that over the years he would sell 1,700 cases in a year and that's now done in like an hour. Like, Yeah, yeah I'd imagine. Yeah. He's also never revealed a Tapatio recipe to anybody mm-hmm. only that's that why he, I know what the pepper is <laughs> you need to get a, a gourmet sleuth on the case <laughs> i'm not going to that gumshoe, <laughs> that drunk <laughs> that opium addict he, he, won't, he won't say what the recipe is but he's tried he said that he's tried hundreds of recipes until he finally landed on something unique tapatio is gluten-free msg-free and sugar free by 2016 they began releasing dry seasoning for fruits and vegetables and premium meats like smoked sausage with a, a tapatio man on the packages
0: for a while me and melissa were both obsessed with tapatio ruffles oh like i Lay's know. ruffles yeah and it, was, it was
1: so good really but they
0: have a lot Lot of different chips that'll have the Tapatio guy on really? it. Really? Like, oh, well, is that so
1: I know they have like ramen noodle packets and sunflower <laughs> yes, seeds. Yeah, they do. They do. Yeah. In 2021, and that's it's now their 50th year, 50th anniversary year, and the company is still going strong. They have a thing on their website right now where Fluffy Gabriel Iglesias promotes oh Tapatio yes. items and tours of factories and cooks things with the famous chefs and riffs and he's stuff. He's so funny. He is. He's so, so funny. funny. <laughs> I love him so much. He's funny. You know why I love him? Because he's funny. because of the Hawaiian shirt. Because of the Hawaiian shirts. Yeah. shirts, and he's funny. That's how I know he's funny. And he's. Uh, for a while was also the Tapatio man. Him and his, his Chihuahua were on the labels okay. with the, the hat and everything. Uh, limited, I'm glad you that you got to go buy one. The limited, a, limited <laughs> edition. Here, you better put it edition. with your Jar
0: Jar Binks Pepsi can, because that's going to be worth something someday.
1: I'd pay so much for a Cholula bottle that had Kyle Kinane on it. <laughs> About it. Fluffy said Tapatio is Mexican royalty and I get to be king for a day, buddy. You can be king forever. You're so funny. You're so funny. You're that so white fun. shirt.
0: <laughs> fluffy, Fluffy, you are not
1: just fluffy. You are also funny. They should call you funny. Their online store is insane. I never realized how badly I want Tapatio products. (laughs) I don't even like spicy food, but I'm like, I think I want the commemorative Day of the Dead Tapatio face mask where the Tapatio man has a skull painted on his Uh face. I think I need that. (laughs) The shirts are incredible. They have like socks and face masks. Savidra continues to work there seven days a week at the age of 82. Uh, Jose Luis Jr. is now Vice President of Tapatio. His sister, Dolores Savidra McCoy, is now Partner and Director of Merchandising, doing a great job. And their sister, Jacqueline Savidra Mora is partner and chief financial officer. Tapatio is a number one hot sauce on the West coast. The third best selling hot sauce in the United States. And is exported mm. to more than 30 countries. Let's drink some right now. Let's, let's all go to the love lobby. Love I want there to be a movie about the death of drive-ins and they're playing a sad piano version of let's all go to the lobby in the trailer.
0: Dun, 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 Cholula. I don't like Cholula at all. Whoa. I, Hard uh, stance. I know. Wow. I, I was a little, little afraid a to I was a little afraid to say that Jesus. but it has this is to be like set.
1: the gallagher episode of uh mark Marin's show i'm walking out you, walking you pull out your yeah. microphones and i told you i didn't uh-uh. like cholula i said it to you
0: come <laughs> then, back you're you didn't pull out your headphones you thought you did and you're just dragging all the equipment with you yeah i don't i i mean if the fight is apparently between cholula and tapatio tapatio wins every yeah, single yeah, yeah, time sure. there's another hot sauce that i like it's kind of like tapatio but i kind of like the flavor better oh yeah it's but it it's from mexico though. okay you wouldn't understand
1: who's on the label uh, it's it's
0: it's actually uh, El Chavo Del Ocho.
1: It's <laughs> on the bottle. Blue demons on it for some reason.
0: Um. Tomazula is a good hot sauce. That's what I like. But um, Chalula does not
1: hold right. a candle, I'm, flaming I'm, candle to Tapatio. I have a, I'm have with Tapatio household. I'll throw it in some ramen sometimes.
0: And another thing I noticed is because the one I'm about to talk to, uh, I'm, talk about I'm about to talk to somebody. I'm about
1: to talk to those people right now. I gotta make a call. Yeah. Um, it would be you to talk to food. <laughs> call a food company. Put tomato on the phone. Yeah. I told you not to call me.
0: Home. I told you she's here. I now, I'm recording. Right now. They, I noticed that hot sauce companies have great uh, online yeah, stores. Yeah, they do. Yeah, they know their audience. People who buy stuff online. Yeah, people, buy people, stuff who, on. people who buy stupid things online. <laughs> Impulse shoppers. <laughs> yeah. So you're talking about something that's uh, what third most popular in the country. I dare say what I'm about to talk about. I don't know the exact figures. I think it might be higher than third. Really? In the country. But here we go. Oh my God. Our final hot sauce of the night. Oh boy cough doodle doo oh, That cock is spicy. <laughs> cock sauce, I should have clarified. Uh-oh. Hope that didn't come out sounding inappropriate. By cock, I mean rooster. By rooster, I mean hoi-fung. <sighs> I want to apologize for that because <laughs> I didn't like saying all that. Uh, that
1: uh, I, I, want, I want the listeners to know that even without mics on, incredibly rare that all of that came out of Daniel's mouth. So this I, is going to be a very special episode. We of the right. I'm going to have to
0: put another uh, explicit E next to it. Like the sloppy boys. I, episode. Uh, people always refer to Hoi Fung as people like to call it cock sauce. That's pretty it's, funny. It's, Oh, it's so funny. I was just going to say, this is so South Park <laughs> of me because it has a rooster on the bottle. And I don't, I don't like that, but I needed an intro for this segment. So that's right. I'm talking right. about Hoi Fung and uh-huh. their most famous product. Sriracha. Oh, Sriracha you mentioned it i i didn't tip my hand yeah uh, you didn't you I, was, it. I was impressed yeah but underneath the table my legs were just <laughs> doing like an irish jig <laughs> i did the river dance but head. but to start what is a sriracha right we're going east for this one sriracha oh, wow. is the name of an oceanside town in thailand a little south of bangkok okay give me Cox's. bangkok bangkok side? Yeah, continental sea um, <laughs> back my neck Getting dirty and gritty. Now I'm mixing up two different. I don't even know what city I'm singing about <laughs> anymore. A I'm trying to sing that ABBA song. Oh my god! Um, one night in Bangkok. My, the back of my neck is dirty and gritty I'm, I'm stuck in the, uh, the
1: this is the third thing that I have no idea what you were talking about oh my god how
0: many <laughs> references I'm, okay okay. Well, not now, I'm sorry I don't know
1: every ABBA song I know that one I don't know every well, ABBA song well then I'm just disappointed in you then
0: it was a song they wrote for like their musical thing not okay. Mamma Mia but oh, it's oh, about Thailand it's a pretty good song what? Papa <laughs> Tapatio the, the alternate ABBA musical yeah. one night in Bangkok in the world your oyster okay. pretty good not yeah. Fernando but it's pretty yeah, good well listen <laughs> when we're done with this episode We're going to listen to that song (laughs) while listening to KNX 1070 and yelling to everybody about how they shouldn't do things in our backyard. Okay, so the town of Sriracha, a little south of Bangkok. Yes. It was here that in 1949, a guy named Gimsua Timkrajong got an idea. He was a businessman, so he'd always be traveling around Thailand, but also he was in Myanmar, Laos, and Cambodia. And like any self-respecting Thai businessman in the 40s, he liked hot sauce. But what he noticed in traveling around all these countries is that all the hot sauces he tried were either salty, sweet, or sour. Okay. It was one of the three. But what Gimsua wanted was the Thai ideal known only as my new favorite phrase... Clom Clorm. Okay. It's the term used for something that has that perfect blend of hot, sour, and sweet. Clom Clorm. Yeah, I I love that there's a name for that in Thai. So Gimsua set out to make the perfect hot sauce that balanced salty, sweet, and sour. And what he came up with, he decided to name after his hometown Sriracha. Killer. So he and The Sriracha Killer is (laughs) who I'm here
1: to talk about.
0: (laughs) Take me. Now that's a spicy murder. (laughs) Um, The sauce became popular and apparently in Southeast Asia, people all just kind of make their own homemade hot sauces. So people start Trying to recreate the sriracha sauce. And this spread out of Thailand and went all the way to Vietnam, which is where our story really begins okay. with a man named David Tran. QR Vietnam montage. Uh, <laughs> it's the same as the 60s montage, but just the worst parts, but it yeah. has a great soundtrack. So David Tran was born in 1945. Five in Sok Trang, Vietnam. And I don't know anything about his early life, but the Vietnam War, I read two different accounts of what he did during the Vietnam War. Okay, um, Either he was a chef for the non-communist Vietnamese army, or he was a major in the non-communist Vietnamese okay. army. So either way, he's he's uh, he's not in the Viet Cong. What right, right, right. I don't want anyone to get the idea that this guy was in the Viet Cong. <laughs> to comp- if Richard Nixon is listening right now, I don't want you to get the wrong idea. I, I know that Hoover's been after <laughs> us for a while. When I run for president in 2024, I don't want people listening back to this and saying I sympathize with the Viet (laughs) Cong. Oh no, I said it. So two completely opposite reports of his life, or maybe he was neither and he just had to live through the horrors of the Vietnam War, which kind of makes more sense because he seems like he was either too old or too young for either of those positions at the time. Whatever happened when the war ended, he became a chili farmer with his brother, but the farm wasn't making any money, so like any self-respecting Vietnamese man in the 70s, he decided to start making his own hot sauce out of his
1: chilies. Heck yeah
0: sell Oh. This was 1975 and he made a sauce out of chili peppers, soybean oil, garlic, salt, vinegar, and some spices that he okay. called pepper satay sauce. Uh, he would bottle the sauce in recycled Gerber baby food bottles oh. that were left at the U.S. bases and he started riding around on his bicycle selling them which begs the question
1: why were the U.S. troops eating baby food? No, Nobody could. There was no leaders. Nobody knew what they were doing. Who's in was, charge of this thing?
0: Um, you've heard of the term fracking? <laughs> <laughs> it referred to their diet. I
1: feel like it's an indigestion thing that you have to eat baby food so you can poop regularly? I don't know. I have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just trying to justify a weird thing that you just told me.
0: They were smoking reefer and then they got the munchies for some reefer R- hey. to be polite. Uh, <laughs> the were, polite version they is they were They were doing naughty reaper. reefer. And they then, were
1: dropping hey, reefer. Hey,
0: hey, LBJ, send me some Gerber food today, man. Um, so to brand his product, he paid a street artist to make a drawing that he could put on all the Gerber baby bottles. Right. <laughs> and no, it wasn't baby Nixon. <laughs> he wanted an animal and no it wasn't baby Agnew he chose the zodiac animal from the year he was born the rooster killer cock cock Killer Killer Cock. cock. You know that song? (laughs) How many more things am I going to get over your head? Uh, Nobody remembers who that nameless street artist was, uh, of course. But my best guess is that it was Banksy. So this was his now, now his logo was this rooster. Because he was the year of the rooster. His makeshift hot sauce company had no name, but he started making money. But 1975 in Vietnam wasn't all hot sauce roosters and bicycles. Well, what else was going on there? Well, the the problem was that something had just ended. A war had just ended that had been going on for 20 years years and in an example of American involvement that certainly could never be repeated almost detail for detail exactly about oh 26 to 46 years later uh, the country that had been so painfully fought over was collapsing back in on itself with everything they had been fighting against taking full control Saigon was taken by communist forces and things were not great for the people of Vietnam then in 1979 China invaded the country starting the Sino Vietnamese War which lasted only a month but between the two two sides about 50,000 people were killed in one month. Mm-hmm. China did this because they were angry that Vietnam was fighting with the Khmer Rouge along their border with Cambodia because the Khmer Rouge were an ally of China right. which they saw as Vietnam taking a stance in aligning itself more with communist Russia than with communist China who wanted to maintain their grip on Southeast Asia. Is this,
1: yeah, no, you I follow mean, all this? Yeah,
0: I, I, <laughs> which genocide uh, do you want me to clarify first? <laughs> a byproduct of all this was the persecution of a group known as the Teochew, mm-hmm. who were an ethnic group living within China for many years, but at a certain point in history, they were sort of forced out by China and made into a diaspora across Asia. So now that China the diaspora? was diaspora? Oh, you you don't listen to <laughs> Diaspora 1070? It's like, like Jewish people are a diaspora, black people are oh, a diaspora, okay. like people who have been displaced from their homeland. Got it. Uh, And are now just kind of everywhere. Right. So now that the China was now that the China uh, was the enemy to Vietnam, the Vietnamese government was cracking down on these ethnically. (laughs) What the hell?
1: I'm getting so
0: upset you <laughs> Or you a commie sympathizer? I don't know. <laughs> I don't, I'm mad at both. Um, so the Vietnamese government was cracking down on these ethnically Chinese citizens of Vietnam, one of whom was David Tran. He right. was Tio Chu. They were pressured to hand over their possessions to the government and leave the country. Right. That's what Vietnam was telling these people. Um, these people. <laughs> Tran and his family didn't want anything to do with this. So he took all the money he made from his hot sauce sales and cashed it into gold and arranged for he and his family to flee the country. Country. Right. and he was not alone in doing this not just the T O Chu but millions of Vietnamese people who wanted desperately to escape from the new communist regime again in an incident never to be repeated again in American international relations history. This was a mass exodus that lasted from 1975 through the 90s and the people escaping were known as the Vietnamese boat people because the only way they could escape was by boat. Right. Like okay. that's Some 2 million people attempted this escape and many died in the process or were caught and tortured by the communists for trying to leave uh, they were also we're
1: pushing p- you out but why are you
0: leaving they were pushing out the ethnic minorities oh I see okay. but the like you're you're a yeah. Vietnamese person I'm gonna torture you for this um, <laughs> there were also people doing the same thing out of Laos and Cambodia and yeah. the boats ranged from big steamers that crammed a couple thousand people inside or just a small boat that could fit a dozen people right and they were just like like, the, like the the elves leaving middle earth like people were just like get me out of here yeah. these boats would go port to port from places like India. Indonesia, Thailand, Singapore, Malaysia, Korea, and Australia. They Mm -hmm. would often get rejected at one and then go to another. Hopefully someone will take us in. Mm -hmm. Many even made the three-month voyage all the way to the port of Los Angeles, which became known as the Ellis Island of the 70s because so many Southeast Asians were coming into America through San Pedro and Long Beach. Many staying here in town, but many also relocating all around the country. One person who did not come to LA was David Tran. (laughs) He and his whole family... No thanks. (laughs) With those Santa Ana winds... He and his whole family divided themselves up into four smaller groups to reduce the risk of the family being separated at the port of some random country right. and then the rest of them having to continue on to god knows where yeah. so this way there are four groups each four group would try one place and mm-hmm. there was a higher chance of each of them all being taken in
1: as one group it, so it, the family wouldn't lose contact with each right, other right right it's so strange because you're telling me I'm like oh yeah just call the other one when you I land know. but they're like no is that you great don't have i was thinking the phone. same thing
0: of like well you'll get to america and you'll yeah. just contact them it was it's like 1978. Yeah. You're never going to find yeah. them again. You're not going to find someone who ended up in Indonesia and you're in like Des Moines. Yeah. Like you're never going to see each other. Yeah,
1: that's, that's I understand. Like, I don't want to sound like a millennial, but like, I don't understand how people would communicate easily. <laughs> What's a phone book?
0: A telegram. So one group went to Indonesia, one to Hong Kong, one to Malaysia and one to the Philippines. David got on a Taiwanese boat meant to hold 1500 people with 3317 Other people that it was named Gathering Prosperity or in Taiwanese. Hoi Fung.
1: Oh, wow. That was the name of
0: his boat. It was a five-day journey to Hong Kong where the captain told the authorities that the people on board had been shipwrecked at sea and he saved them all. And that's why like, he didn't want to tell them, like, these are refugees which nobody wanted to take in. So the British, they didn't, they still didn't buy it and they refused them entry. So now they were just adrift at sea, not knowing where to go with nobody extending a hand to them. They eventually waited in a UN refugee center somewhere in Southeast Asia before finally the UN US allowed them to dock in beautiful sunny
1: Boston And the welcoming people from Boston with open arms. With open arms and a knife in each <laughs> hand. What do you mean you're not a Sox fan? I don't know what that means. I'm not from here. Do you like the Bruins or do you like the Patriots?
0: <laughs> Those are two different sports. And one of them I don't even think is from Boston. I can't think of a single no. team from Boston other than the Boston Bruins. Um, the Boston Bruins? The, what, how many references no, am I going to make? Don't you listen to Boston Bruin 1070? So he hated it right. in Boston. It was cold. It was cold cold and also it was cold, but most importantly it was cold, but even more importantly it was cold. But then the most important thing was that they didn't have any fresh red hot chili peppers, which to come from just out of war-torn Vietnam where the government was pressuring you to leave because of your race and then getting to Boston and being like, wow, this place is awful. (laughs) Luckily, his brother-in-law had settled in LA, so one day he asked him if they had fresh red peppers there, and he said there were plenty, and off David went to Los Angeles. This was 1980, but when he got to LA, while there was plenty of fresh produce he found himself very disappointed in the hot sauce options around town, and he wasn't alone. A lot of the Southeast Asian immigrants who were piling into LA at the time felt the same way, because like, there were some Thai options available for hot sauce, but because of the way things were between the US and Vietnam, there was no options for Vietnamese people such as himself who wanted a familiar hot sauce to put in their pho and things like that. So after only being here for a month, he decided it was his righteous duty to fill that void, and he went to Grand Central Market, Mm -hmm. bought a bunch of red hot chili peppers, and <laughs> and went to and they're pretty good at the beginning so he got these red hot chili peppers and he went to work albums and he went to work recreating the pepper sati sauce he used to make back in Vietnam okay he specifically went with red jalapenos which are the same as green jalapenos but they're left on the vine longer which turns them red and makes them spicier okay
1: that's the same thing the same difference between red hulk and regular hulk yeah he's been, been on like he's been the vine, vine longer yeah
0: uh, the anger vine <laughs> um, eventually he felt he got the recipe right and he painted his signature rooster on the side of his van and went supermarket to supermarket and restaurant to restaurant in the Asian parts of town, mostly in Chinatown. Yeah. Were they in baby food bottles again? I don't know. Maybe <laughs> it's not a
1: baby food bottle. It's a rooster bottle. Can you tell? There's a rooster. <laughs> it's, on a it? rooster. There's it's a baby, a baby chick, rooster. It's a little chick. He
0: clearly saw that he was satisfying a need, and soon he started selling his sauce in the Vietnamese places down in Little Saigon in the Forbidden Zone of Orange County. And after just one month, he made a thousand dollars in profit. Pretty nice. Pretty nice. After a few years, the demand among Amongst the Asian community was so high that in 1983, how high was it? That in 1983, he cashed in his life savings once again, but this time to buy a 5,000 square foot factory on Spring Street in Chinatown, Los okay. Angeles to keep up with the demand. Uh, the machines he bought for the factory didn't work well for what he was doing, so he had to learn how to engineer oh and build God. and then invent new designs for machines that could get done what he needed Wild. to get done. <laughs> now, his original intention with making hot sauce was that he was trying to make something his fellow Southeast Asian expats would like. And as such, he never did any advertising. He just sold them to areas with that population. And if you knew about it, you knew about it. And everybody knew about yeah. it. Like He he never ran an ad, never did a on yeah. KNX 1070 or anything <laughs> like that. Like It just, uh, much like again, like this podcast, it just became so popular without just an unspoken popularity yeah. no, no one amongst the ever, Asian community. <laughs> amongst refugees. Most of our listeners are refugees. <laughs> but then something big happened in la in 1984 oh Mm -hmm. no it wasn't the revolution against big brother we were all hoping for that's right it was the Summer Olympics. Right. They came to Los Angeles. The entire world descended upon L.A. And this inspired David that maybe he should consider making a sauce that was meant not only for his fellow Southeast Asian immigrants, but something for the entire world. Like right. he just got caught up in the Olympics. Yeah, I'm sure
1: everybody did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He was, he, I'm making these woven baskets for the entire world. <laughs> he
0: got the tattoo, the rings tattooed <laughs> on his arm. And all he did was see like one karate match uh, in Reseda. Yeah. Um, <laughs> It was kind of local, but it was a big deal to them. So I just kind of got up <laughs> it. There was a, an illegal it. kick to the head, but he still liked it. And the sauce he chose for this was a recreation of a sauce that was famous where he was from, we learned about a long time ago in this story, sriracha. He created his own version of that hot sauce he mm-hmm. knew from home, and he slapped it in a clear bottle with his rooster on it and a bright green cap that was meant to imitate the stem of a fresh chili pepper. Never thought about that. Yep. And suddenly there was a whole new type of hot sauce in Los Angeles. And for that matter, America. Right. It
1: caught, and, that, and for that matter, and,
0: uh, the world. And for that matter, the solar system. <laughs> and for that matter, the galaxy. <laughs> and for that matter, the
1: multiverse. <laughs> Starring Willem Starring Dafoe. Willem Dafoe and Benedict Cumberbatch, probably.
0: It caught on fast, first amongst the Southeast Asian community, but then the Asian cooks, much like Tapatio, the Asian cooks who worked in restaurants around LA started bringing sriracha, hoifeng sriracha, yeah. into work to use in their personal meals oh, cool. that they would make for themselves and then eventually it started getting incorporated into the food at those restaurants as well.
1: Um, What's that green thing that you're putting on your food? You wouldn't like it. You wouldn't like it. There's not enough for both of us. It's ketchup. It's It's ketchup. um, Use more ketchup. It's Asian Um, ketchup.
0: Leave me alone. A lot of times the spicy in a spicy tuna roll is sriracha. Oh, really? Uh, The popularity started to grow more and more amongst the general public, which led to an increased demand. So we had to move into a bigger factory that was 68,000 square feet in Rosemead in 1996, which was the former factory 3 of Wham-O, who is the company that invented hula hoops, frisbees, and slip and slides. <laughs> and that's how the sriracha slip and slide was invented. <laughs> and as we all know too well, increased exposure to the general public means you have to deal with the opinions of the general public. That meant a lot of people complaining that the sauce was too hot. To which David responded, if you don't like it, use less. <laughs> we don't
1: make mayonnaise here. That's a good, that should have been the slogan yeah, of, the, <laughs> of the bottle.
0: There's a lot of Vietnamese on the bottle, that's what he's saying. <laughs> no, we don't make mayonnaise. mayonnaise. We don't make Which leads us to how he got it so hot. I got info on the peppers for you. I'm like, you you did not have this on Tapatio. David Train, he's not so tight-lipped as... He wants the world to know. As Jose Cuervo. (laughs) David sourced all his peppers from one specific farm who he felt picked the perfect peppers <laughs> for are <his> you practicing. <laughs> are you getting rid of I'm getting the warmed up for yeah. the ep- when we start the episode. Yeah. So the, it was the perfect peppers for yeah. his picante sauce. <laughs> Underwood Farms, which are in um, like Moore Park, they're in Ventura, oh, really? they're right over here. They, oh. A lot of people go there because they do like pick your own apples. Oh, okay. So they he joined up with them in 1988, and not only did he like the taste and spice of their peppers, they're right over here, so they could yeah. they were so close that he could have them picked in the farm and ground fresh in his factory the same day. Damn. They also worked as a team and tailored and modified their peppers to exactly what David wanted in terms of flavor and then they spliced it with this mosquito DNA
1: and now there's an amusement park that nobody can go to they keep trying
0: that's the real reason why you can't go into the old rocket dine area of the Santa Susana Pass it's because it's because of the Sriracha dinos (laughs) I'm not afraid to say it
1: you know that dinosaurs eventually evolved into the Sriracha rooster a lot of people know that
0: (laughs) that you probably had feathers that's on the Sriracha Jurassic 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 Park Park. and Mm -hmm. you see the Sriracha rooster flying flying into the sunset cool cool
1: Do I shoot this thing down? Yeah, it, should we kill it? Is it trying to attack? I don't know yet,
0: but it could. And then Jeff Goldblum falls asleep. And we all say goodnight, Jeff Goldblum. So to, they started out dedicated. They dedicated 50 of their acres at Underwood Farms to making peppers exclusively for Fung, And eventually that grew to 1,700 acres, which was 75% of their whole farmland, wow. was devoted exclusively to making Hoifeng Sriracha. God, that's amazing. <laughs> Fung Sriracha was always popular from the day it came out, but around the mid to late 2000s. You, yeah. you probably remember, I, remember I, this. I don't even know what references you get anymore so maybe you remember <laughs> this. For whatever reason the internet really latched onto yeah. Sriracha and it exploded in popularity. It became like a religion for people and companies start capitalizing on that with yeah. Sriracha popcorn Sriracha hummus, right. Sriracha
1: croutons I remember everyone was wearing Sriracha shirts for a while. Yeah
0: as I was doing research for this someone walked by me with a <laughs> Sriracha <laughs> shirt I'm true. like oh, hmm. you must have gotten that in the mid to late 2000s. <laughs> bon Appetit named it ingredient of the year okay. in twenty. Ten there's video of the astronauts eating it on the International Space Station. Just kidding. In two thousand, the space. And this is also how Alien started. <laughs> uh, in two thousand seven, the entire company sold out of their entire inventory in September, which meant there were three months of the year that they could not sell oh Sriracha because there was no Sriracha.
1: <laughs> I guess I'm taking a vacation.
0: David also never patented the name Sriracha, so oh wow. So tons of imitators popped up, and when a that, and the bottles, some of the imitators use the same exact bottle, yeah. but like the lid is yellow. And when a place like Taco Bell started doing sriracha tacos, Hoi Fung didn't see a penny of that. But David did not mind because he just saw this all as good publicity. Right, right, right. And right. he didn't have any reason to worry either because not only was his sriracha made with such high quality ingredients at a really high quality level, but it was dirt cheap. Yeah. Tran has never raised the wholesale price of the sauce and you can get like a giant bottle for maybe $5. Yeah. at most like i saw a really big bottle yesterday for like 230 yeah in the afternoon, It costs $40. (laughs) He always set out to make a rich, this is his thing, a rich man's sauce at a poor man's price. That's all he wanted to do. It's so cheap. Like we were talking about at restaurants, you'll see that they'll just put an entire bottle of Mm -hmm. it out on each table like it's ketchup, which is also part of the reason it became so popular because people got visual recognition of seeing this hot sauce at the restaurant because they don't care. Like if someone's going to run out with their sriracha bottle, like a big deal. And I do. (laughs) And they don't chase, they can't chase you. Legally, they can't chase you unless it's over five dollars worth of sriracha and it never is it never is baby i weigh it they they became so big how big did were they how big big did they become (laughs) um that they outgrew the whammo factory wow and in 2010 they started building a 40 million dollar 170 thousand square foot brand new factory in irwindale At here's that word again that for some reason is trouble for me Azusa, Canyon Road and Cypress Street, which is now Irwindale's biggest building, is the Sriracha factory. They can tell the seasons by how the sun hits the Sriracha factory Um, and on the Equinox. Oh, it's beautiful the way that the sun hits the Sambal. This new factory operates 24 hours a day, six days a week, capable of grinding over one ton of peppers a minute, 21 tons a day and about 100 million pounds a year, churning out 3,000 bottles of hot sauce an hour and some 20 million bottles of hot Saucy year. But it wasn't all smooth sriracha for Hoi Fung. At times, it was downright chunky sambal. (laughs) To start, the proud residents of Irwindale persuaded the proud city of Irwindale to sue Hoi Fung. Why? In 2013, because the residents complained that the spicy smell from the factory was like tear gas and was making their throats
1: hurt and their eyes water. Fair. This
0: is a perfect example of a NIMBY. These are NIMBYs, Greg. What I'm telling you about are NIMBYs. I
1: thought it was Kimby, not in my backyard.
0: I thought it was Kirby. <laughs> Are these people not all Kirby's that we're talking about? <laughs> they swallow other characters yeah, and, and they, they become big. They and fly around. Fly, yeah. David assured them that his factory didn't smell <laughs> and that they only actually grind the chilies for three months of the year during late summer to mid-autumn, which was the harvest. He even opened up the factory to free weekly tours to show people that nothing overtly stinky was going on. Right, he, right. he hung a banner that said no tear gas made <laughs> that here. Also, that's also on the bottle. But the lawsuit ended ended up partially shutting down the factory temporarily, which led to David threatened to move the factory out of California, which was so serious a threat that Governor Jerry Brown had to personally broker a peace treaty between Hoi Fung and the city of Irwindale because that would be a huge financial blow to California if yeah. they left. As part of the agreement, they had to install new filters into the factory to keep the smells inside, and the yeah. citizens of Irwindale had to grow up, <laughs> and in May 2014, the lawsuit was dropped. I say that, but if I lived across the street from me... Oh, the, absolutely. Yeah, would. Yeah, I, I would, would never... Uh, and yeah. like my baby was turning red every day because of... The you like you would complain if a,
1: if a building was too tall. You'd be like, "What? Well, how dared they? <laughs> my wind current. Nah, I couldn't see that cloud that looked like a dog for five <laughs> minutes. <laughs> a bird flew behind it, and if that
0: building wasn't there, I I could have seen the bird for longer. <laughs> it was an egret, Craig. My favorite. You know that.
1: And you know what? Governor Jerry Brown knows that. <laughs> and his his son, uh, or his dad. Who was the other Brown? I don't know. My only reference for Jerry Brown is the can do song. Jerry Brown.
0: <laughs> Jerry Brown. Then a more permanent problem arose in 2017 when a financial dispute arose between Hoi Fung and Underwood Farms. Oh, no. Which led to their partnership being terminated. Uh
1: that's where all the stuff comes from. Yep. You
0: don't have sauce without the chili. That it also says <laughs> that on the bottom. Um, under it's a, a really long label. Mm-hmm. Underwood Farms started making their own sriracha using their peppers. While Hoi Fung had to find new suppliers elsewhere in California, New Mexico, and Old Mexico, okay. which kind of pained David because he prefers to get as many ingredients as he can from the US because he wants yeah. to repay the favor to the only country that granted him asylum. Right. Some people feel that the sauce isn't the same since they switched suppliers. Uh, then there was a personal slam from the granddaughter of the originator of the original sriracha sauce. Okay.
1: I was waiting for this. Yeah.
0: This malevolent force in <laughs> the shadows. It should not be forgotten. Uh, something of a coach crease, uh, sensei crease. Sorry. Um. Cobra Kai. The traditional sriracha is thicker, sweeter, and tangier than Hoi Fung's version. Right. And the granddaughter says that she hates the Hoi Fung version. Whoa. She says it's just overpoweringly hot with no other flavor and is definitely. Definitely not Clom Clorm. Um,
1: Give me some of this Clom Clorm so I could try it. I'll, I'll happily be like, mm, okay, okay, okay. Clom Clorm is a state of mind. <laughs> okay, they both taste like pain. Okay, great. <laughs> well, you know what? I kind of agree with her. I'm yeah. not
0: a huge fan of Sriracha, of the Hoi Fong Sriracha because I do feel like it's certainly spicy but I don't really like the flavor. Like it's very yeah. vinegary and I don't really, it kind of overpowers you. Right. I do really like their chili garlic. I will say that. Okay. In fact, it's part of my chili
1: arsenal, my hot sauce arsenal, <laughs> Ars- arsenal. Some people collect closets full of guns in case something happens. I collect a bunch of chilies in case <laughs> the world. And mine are also ends. locked up. In ca- I, locked I don't up. want my kid to have <laughs> to hurt himself with one of those chili <laughs> or bottles. a friend. Or me. The the granddaughter went on to add
0: another slap in the face saying champagne is one kind of drink, sriracha is one kind of sauce. Like, it's not sriracha unless it's from sriracha. Wow. She doesn't like that David used their name for his sauce, but if you want to see if this lady can back up her words, her original family brand is sriracha Panich, which I have not been able to find anywhere in town, and believe me, I have looked. (laughs) Um, And sticks and stones can break his bones, but hurtful words about his peppers don't really matter, because David Tran is laughing all the way to the spice. Yes. He says, I know it's not Thai Sriracha. It's my Sriracha. (laughs) Which is a rhyme I don't know if he intended but it's pretty good. It worked and that should be uh, It's on the bottom. (laughs) bottom. Add it to the bottom.
1: (laughs) Get rid of the ingredients (laughs) and just add it to the bottom.
0: No sort of warnings like there might be lead in this. uh,
1: (laughs) Give me the rhyme. And his
0: Sriracha controls 10% of the entire hot sauce market in the United States. But it's not even about the money for him, which is something only people with money can say. (laughs) Um, (laughs) He's not interested in ever selling the company because he's more Interested in just providing a good hot sauce to people who right. want it, rather than the profits like other companies are. Right. And that's a slam on whoever you cover. <laughs> that's why he keeps it within the family. With his son as the president, his daughter is the vice president.
1: Uh, he, he's chili people keep it in the family. I know
0: they really do. It's it's uh, two chilies in a on a. a pod? Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Two chilies in a podcast. Here we go. That's the name of the episode. Um, He also never set out to become a billionaire, which is something only billionaires can say. I didn't know how I was going to make it this far. Oh, I only wanted $400 million. (laughs) He said that he just wanted to make enough Fresh chili sauce, so that everyone who wants Hoi fung can have it. Nothing more. He keeps it simple. They only make three sauces. They make sriracha, sambal, olek. I don't really know how to pronounce that. Yeah. And chili garlic. I know how to say that. And that's the one I like. Chili garlic. Chili I love garlic. that. They still never advertise because they don't have to, and they yeah. employ no salespeople because they also don't have to. Right. He just wants to keep making it, and he wants to keep making it spicier as well. Like it, I think it's spicier than it used to be. He also seems like a really friendly guy. Like yeah. everything. He seems nice. He usually greets people. on the end of those tours and he reads fan emails Whoa. and he even takes recipe suggestions, I guess. So next time you drive through Irwindale and start coughing, just remember this and smile. It's not just the COVID
1: <laughs> that's doing that to you. It's the Hoi Fung factory. Unless you make it to Monrovia and you're yeah. still coughing.
0: If you get to like Rialto yeah. and maybe Rancho Cucamonga. You might have COVID. It, you
1: might have COVID. <laughs> With Dr. Fauci stand up, you might have COVID. <laughs> I can't wait for
0: this special. <laughs> so yeah, that's a, those are our hot sauces. Yeah have a listener question oh. at, at the end here to wind down a little bit. Uh, this is from Big Ankles on Instagram.
1: Edwin Arzett, I'm watching Shang-Chi with him.
0: Uh, well, you should watch Cobra Kai. <laughs>
1: you, you like uh, karate fighting? Uh, <laughs> hey, you like some sort of <laughs> martial arts
0: stuff? This is like a grandpa who's really into <laughs> Cobra Kai. You like karate fighting? <laughs> He's trying to get his grandkids to watch Cobra Kai with him. You like karate fighting? I watched all three seasons, so I'm kind of a purple belt now. That's just my waistline. Something's wrong with me. So here's, the, here's this question. How 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 long would it take to walk from Union Station entrance to the end of Venice boardwalk? I assume he meant the pier, the Venice pier. Sure, sure. We have guesses and I looked it up. Okay. What's your guess?
1: Well, okay. I'm trying to remember, but I remember biking. It's a mile every 10 minutes, the speed I was going. Okay. I can run a mile a minute. Don't ask my gym teacher because they don't remember a while, but I can run a mile a minute. (laughs) I remember biking from Echo Park through downtown to hit Venice and then taking Venice to my brother, when my brother lived in Little Ethiopia, to Fairfax, and that was an hour and a half to two hours. This, is like, a, the, this is like the this is like the
0: Los Angeles
1: SATs, and we're, if yeah. you leave
0: on a Schwinn bike from yeah, Echo yeah. Park and you have to be in Little Ethiopia by 4 p.m.,
1: I'm going to say four hours. Four okay. hours of solid walking, okay. little, very little breaks. Okay, keeping I, a good pace. See,
0: I did a similar thing because I was thinking about when we walked, when me and Melissa walked from Sherman Oaks to Studio City, and that takes about like maybe 45 minutes, maybe an hour. So my guess was nine hours. Like I, 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 that's what I thought. Right. Your guess was four hours. Yeah. I looked it up on Google maps, little walking man. Yeah. Five hours and twenty three minutes. Okay, which seems very like that's kind of crazy that you can walk from Union Station to the ocean the in Osh. five hours yeah. and twenty three minutes. Which I think we should do. I've
1: always been saying we should do we like should a, do that, a, a pilgrimage. I wasn't far off. This little walking man on Google walks faster than I do. Yeah, this guy won't stop. He's walking through the Pacific Ocean right now. You
0: want to? You want to? Here's something you can never stop doing: right. leaving us uh, reviews on iTunes. Look, here's a here's here's an easy way. If uh, if you're wondering how do I leave a review? Yeah. How do I do this? Here's a new link you can use it's ratethispodcast.com slash LA Meekly and you can go to that website and it will take you to where you can leave us a review okay. on iTunes and a few other places but it's do it because it's really helpful it gives us more sort of cachet and right. it, it makes us uh, more searchable it makes us look better and yeah, it yeah, feels yeah. good
1: it feels good that's how we're going to become the sriracha of podcasts <laughs> right <laughs> now we're the
0: La Victoria of podcasts
1: you can also go to la meeklypodcast.com which is our new official website designed oh, by the beautiful Ada Ruiz. It's According to me and Ada, it's ready. Well, another person it's, thinks it's not it's ready. It's under construction, <laughs> but it's available. Sure. You can walk in the building, but there's about 400 stories that <laughs> yeah. want to be added for some there's reason. There's a bunch of tarps <laughs> and
0: like the most of the lights don't work, but bunch we'll of, have those working. A bunch of hammers <laughs> lying around for some reason. <laughs> Loose nails Loose everywhere. Nails. And you
1: can also subscribe to us on YouTube. Yes. Um, Our uh, entire YouTube channel where Daniel cut all the episodes to into segments, but also we have full episodes. We have some weird video stuff we did. And
0: soon we'll have more weird video stuff I can't wait again that reddit thing yes. r re- slash Los Angeles history uh, follow us on Instagram at LA <laughs> Twitter at LA meekly send us an answer to the question we were asking for and also support us on Patreon yep. for as little as five dollars a month we will send you a handwritten postcard from a place in Los Angeles every single month so with your name on it
1: and, and kind it's of your address names. scratched out sometimes because I if I do more than six at a time I kind of stop paying attention I did 10 today did you I did 10 I was in a mood and oh I, wow I Felt like a real scrivener. I have to make piles so I, I make sure to not do like I can't do like three Galcos at once. Yeah, I so know. I have to like I, make piles. Oh my god, what am I what else am I gonna say no. about pans? And then you have to be like, these two people are not gonna read the same thing about pans. <laughs> I could write the same thing about pans to two separate people, they'll never know. My biggest fear is that someone's I'm gonna like get
0: lazy and write the same thing twice, and then someone's gonna and post, post it, it online and say, so, what the yeah. and then we and then it's the big this is okay. a Patreon game. It's, and suddenly <laughs> I'm kicked out of the NFL. Yeah, that's all our, that's our hot sauces made me kind of hungry it didn't make me as hungry as other episodes yeah yeah yeah,
1: yeah. I really want ramen with. Uh, oh, that, that does sound that really, sounds really good on yeah. a, a kind of cold day <laughs> maybe
0: in like uh, when the second ice age hits right, in like I mean. 2032 then maybe you'll want some more cold ramen yeah the, these low, LA uh, hot sauce uh, Los Angeles Los Angeles Who she thunk? loves me the hot sauce capital of the world <laughs> try these try yeah. these I, I kind of want to try La Victoria again even though yeah. I, no, I don't like it
1: I know I, I kind of like and as you were talking I can taste for sure. Have a tang in my mouth for a sriracha and But well, As we're talking about negatively about Cholula, I'm like I can't remember how chalula tastes. I should probably have a little. It's bit It's probably of
0: it. best that you don't remember how Cholula tastes because chalula doesn't taste. It's <laughs> that, just wet. So uh, yeah, enjoy the hot month, September. Uh, we'll see you in a couple weeks for our next music episode. Right. And uh, if you don't listen to those for whatever reason, I think some of you don't. I don't know why. It's us in shorter doses. Yeah. What do you? What more do you Wood. want? Uh, we'll see you uh, October. October. Not. or our halloween episode probably uh, so enjoy it uh, we'll see you then and that's been yet another episode of la meekly knx 1070
1: i love abba <laughs> <laughs> did the, i do it the, the, the world is your oyster greg <laughs> the world is your oyster as in i don't like oysters <laughs> all right all right all right all right, Fight all, right. Me. all right karate style <laughs>